0: Metallica, Here they come, the kings of metal. So fucking what? Hey everybody, I'm Lizzie. And
1: I'm Joe, we're from the band Hailstorm.
0: And you're listening to Middle Up Your Podcast.
2: Welcome to the Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I am Clint Wells. He is Clint Wells, and this is episode 125, and we're going back to exploring the Big Four, and I'm so stoked on this This one. is a big day for you. Big day for me. We're doing Anthrax Among the Living.
1: Because you're... Well, first of all, let's just introduce this series. We decided, I don't know, a year ago maybe, to right. do uh, Metal Up Your Podcast, explores the Big Four, in which we take... Um, I, we're kind of starting with the biggest records from the other three of the Big right. Four, and we listen together, we do commentary, we read some facts... Now, if it's a Slayer record, more or less, I'm going to know a little more about it. But you're a big and Anthrax and Megadeth cat.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I would put Anthrax at, at number two in my favorites of the big four.
1: And I guess at the end of the episode, we'll see how
2: embarrassing that might be for you. We'll see. Uh, I have
1: never <laughs> listened to this record.
2: Yeah, that's, you texted me that earlier, and I was, I was, uh, I guess not terribly surprised. You never expressed that you were a big Anthrax fan, but right. it just got me excited because this, this is. Uh, Probably tied. I don't know it's, it's probably my favorite Anthrax record Next to City Euphoria But um, I've just always been a, a big Anthrax fan It was like Growing up in California It was like One of the bands I skated to Right You know Throw headphones on It was like that Or like Primus Or something Or Chili Peppers and yeah. I mean, Anthrax is up there for me
1: Well what's cool is I'm sure that many of our listeners Like you Are big Anthrax fans mm-hmm. And then I'm sure That we also have a swath of listeners who like me haven't really checked it out and that's what's so fun about explore the big four is it's an opportunity for us all together to explore these records right and figure out why these three bands in addition to metallica made this kind of cut to be to be included in this you know legendary group and maybe not exodus or testament or it'd be cool to check those records out as well yeah for sure but here we are with exploring the big four explore the big eight and uh (laughs) explore the big 35 that's right um, if you are joining us for the first time, which is possible, very possible, we might have yeah. some new listeners. We are an All Metallica podcast. This is sort of a an auxiliary series that we do. Next week, we're going to be back in full force with our good friend and your one of the
2: most beloved characters mm. of the show, Mister Paul Moke. Paul, Paul. Yeah, Paul's going to be back. We're going to be doing our unload episode. Unload. We're going to decide once and for all who or what tracks should be on one record and like we'll, a best of it'll be fun to
1: explain to you why we're going to call it unload because that comes yeah. from a, a inside joke group text we'll
2: let paul maybe even explain yeah i mean we that. could i mean the obvious i think would be to you know in metallica fashion to call it re-reload but we'll tell that story in, uh, next week right
1: Well, so we're glad you're here, if you're here, and if you're a reoccurring uh, Metal Up Your Podcast family member, of course it's good to be back with you all. We took last week off for Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day, by the way. Hey, you as well. We are here in HQ2,
2: as the YouTubers can see. Hello, YouTubers. Uh, You are home from tour. Dude, I'm home, yeah. We're finally in person. I'm not in the back lounge of a bus right now. I mean, as you guys have heard, I mean, I've been gone... Pretty consistently since mid-February Right Had a couple short breaks But we we just ended uh, As you're listening to this uh, I got home a week ago Right So um, Jumped right back into You know I'm trying to finish my cover roll With Black and Tunes Now that I'm home I did like four hours of yard work this morning Feeling great We For the first time in my entire
1: life We have decided that this summer We are simply going to pay someone To do our yard work Yeah And um, (laughs) I gotta tell you It's been very nice I'm sure it's
2: amazing Yeah I think about that every time I'm sweating my ass off Mowing my lawn now, I do have a riding mower, so I can't really complain that much. Oh, well, that's nice. But it, it I mean, it's Tennessee; it still gets disgusting outside. I started at seven thirty this morning because it was nice and cool out.
1: I have a very, very nosy neighbor. Most of my neighbors are extremely nosy. Yeah, which for those of you who may have gleaned from the podcast, and for you of knowing me actually in real life, um, that's not really my uh, cup not, of tea. Not really your vibe. I don't. I don't often like to hear this. <laughs> exactly. When I'm at my house um, I prefer to just screen the door The way you can screen a yeah. phone call But that's harder to do with My wife's neighbors. the same way But a lot of the people that live on our street We live on this sort of quiet, nondescript street In Nashville, in a suburb of Nashville And, um, you know, I, I, being on tour and stuff Sometimes my grass gets kind of long Before I could get home and mow it Right Well, so I'm mowing the grass one day And it's, it looks like Predator It looks like Rambo <laughs> um, I'm trying to mow it And I just have this, like, shitty push mower And I guess my neighbor watched me take 40 minutes where the grass was so high it would shut the mower off right yeah and i'd just keep fucking cranking there, it yeah you know <laughs> and uh he finally came over and he was like hey uh do you want to use my riding lawnmower because he has a riding mower yeah and i was like sure i mean you know you'll have to show me how to use it i don't want to like cut my fucking leg off or something <laughs> and he brings his riding lawnmower over and sh- like spent hung out with me in the front yard and showed me how to do it how to take turns right. how to use the clutch and how to you know how to use it sure, and yeah. you know I'm no dummy so I got it pretty quick and I was like well cool thanks jim I'm, and our backyard is much larger and uh, I was like well I'm going to go in the back now I you want me to just return it you know to your I'll return it he lives right across the street from yeah. me and he was like yeah whatever you know so I go back there and I start mowing my lawn and he comes back there and proceeds to just watch me mow the whole thing oh no you think he was just, like, judging your mowing skill or just keeping an eye on his It mower? was a horrible combination of many things. I think yeah. it was keeping an eye on his gear, which I understand. Sure, yeah. It was, he's retired and bored and nosy. Right. And I think he was also, the nicest thing I can say about his voyeurism is that he was wanting to make sure I was doing it correctly. Sure, yeah. But, and I will say, it took a 90-minute job down to about 25 minutes. It's a lot faster, yeah. But that was a long 25 minutes having Jim just watch me the whole time.
2: Was he, like sitting in a lounge chair rubbing like suntan lotion on himself
1: he was just standing by the fence he's like yep yeah, that's good that's good and all i could think about the whole time was like please go away <laughs> just let me i know i'm on your mower but please go away like don't
2: offer it and then make me feel weird right you know what i mean it will be weird to loan out a piece of gear and you go with them to the studio to right. use it and you're just sitting there staring at him right like, why is that guy here like it's his guitar
1: yeah totally be weird but well before we get into some housekeeping and then of course anthrax is among the living which
2: by the way I went ahead and brought the vinyl over, uh, so those of you on YouTube can see it. Um, I've got a few Anthrax records on wax, and I thought it'd be fun to bring it over, um, show Clint. Uh, and there's a fun little note inside the liner notes that we'll get to in the uh, That fa- they wrote the to me? They wrote, to his to Clint Wells, yeah. dear. When did this record come out? 87.
1: Dear Clint, a thousand years from now, you will be listening in your studio, and we wanted to just send a little personal note along with it hoping one day that, you know, this would all be justified, and it would come to fruition, and you would read it on a Metallica exactly. podcast. Well, guess what? Here we are. Listen, Scotty, We will have to talk about this cover, too, at some point. This yeah. is um, a very interesting cover. Right. Um, okay, so before we dive into Anthrax's Among the Living in our Explore the Big Four series, we're going to talk some Metallica, and then we're going to do some housekeeping. Now, the boys are in the news. Every time we do an episode, I think it'd be cool to like do some current news, and sometimes there something, there isn't, but now that they're touring again, there's kind of a lot going on now. The first thing that came up today, which I thought it, it filled me with a sense of pride as yeah. a Metallica fan, so the boys are playing Slane Castle, famous Slane Castle, huge on June eighth. And I'm pretty sure up-
2: with Slane Castle they only allow one show a year there, okay? Because it's it's basically surrounded by like rich ass people, so it's like there's people a no- like me and you. Yeah, it's like me and you exactly. Um, all that fuck you podcast money. <laughs> of course <laughs> no but that that that's you know kings leon did it years ago before i was touring with them right. you know, they did a Sling castle show foo fighters have done it a bunch of people you but... too
1: has a famous concert dvd called live at Slane castle yeah
2: i it's i could be wrong it's, it's like one or two maybe three tops a year shows they do there um so it's a pretty big deal that metallica is doing this um you know well it's re- it's
1: reported that a uh, um seventy five thousand fans are expected to go to that show now that that's a few people. It says so much. I mean, of course, the venue, if they're only doing one show a year, it's obviously an exotic venue, and people are going to be traveling from all over yep. the world. But think about a band like Metallica who got their start in Los Angeles in 1981. The first gig they played, no one came to. They played a bunch of fucking uh, Diamond Head covers. Right, yeah. Fast forward a million years later, Way you know, we're 25 years past Black Album Heyday, Yeah. and these motherfuckers are selling 75,000 tickets to Sling Castle. That's the power of that band, man. Uh, it's the first time that they play there in Ireland since Belfast in 2010 and Dublin in 2009. So there's there's a
2: there's a big Metallica shaped hole. There'll over be some there. excitement for sure. I mean, people are going to lose. Yeah, it, it's going to be a great show. You I, know
1: what? Maybe they'll film a live DVD. I was there.
2: just going to say that. I think that'd be an amazing opportunity. I love to do it that. when
1: we finish each other's
2: sentences. I was going to say sandwiches.
1: Dang it! That's the big joke. So you say sandwiches. All right. We oh, need to work on our comedic timing. We really do. Speaking of comedy, I've comedy. Been... There we go. See what we're talking about. Talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, no working needed. We just, apparently just cracked the code. Code. I, I've been listening to uh, the Conan O'Brien podcast. That's
2: great. It is so funny. He's. It, I mean, he's. Uh, it's. If you don't watch Conan O'Brien or never have watched it, I mean, I don't know where he's you, one of my favorite been. comedians. He's One of the best. All. Uh, if you haven't watched Conan without Borders on Netflix, I haven't seen that. It yet. is so damn funny. No, I haven't seen it's that. A yet. lot of. There's one of. You know, Jordan Slansky, who's his like. He's he's become this character on the show. He's he's basically like one of his producers. And there's one where they go to France or Italy, and it is you just just watch it.
1: I know that uh, Sona, his assistant, she's a yep. big part of uh, the the podcast. Yep,
2: she's um, on a couple, but yeah, the podcast is great.
1: I just recently because I've been just sort of binging Conan O'Brien content. You know, they made a documentary in 2011 called mm-hmm. Conan O'Brien Can't Stop. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. It's about. When he lost the Tonight Show, he was legally prohibited from being on television for like a proximity clause of like five or six months. Right. So he put together kind of a rock and roll variety show and went on tour.
2: Yeah, with his like normal house band from the yeah, show. Yeah, with like Jimmy
1: Vivino, Max yep. Weinberg, and then yeah. they would have guests like Jack White and Eddie Vedder and Mike McCready. Yeah, well, show they, up. They,
2: there's a whole uh, portion of that where they're in Nashville at Third Man Records with Jack White. Oh, cool. They did a show there. Nice. Yeah. Um. And there's and Jack White actually even released a vinyl of him interviewing Conan O'Brien. That it came out on record straight a few years ago Conan
1: O'Brien if so I've been going down deep dives of interviews with him Especially around the time of him losing the Tonight Show I'm so fascinated by comedians and stand-up comedy yeah. And the late night wars and all that shit And um, he's a deep cat
2: He really is, yeah He's a good musician too
1: Yeah, good guitar player, yeah. he's super fun Good singer, he sings on that yeah. on that tour Anyway, the, the podcast is called Conan O'Brien Can't Stop I recommend it to yeah. you all out there Now another thing in the But the, the news... podcast is
2: called that? That's a documentary, right?
1: The podcast... Oh, the podcast is called Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend That's right, yeah what did I say? Conan Brand can't stop. Shit.
2: That's a documentary. I'm losing my mind. That's okay.
1: That's a- <laughs> thank you for the support. Yeah, it's okay. Man. I support you
2: about. in uh, your slow descent into insanity. Would you say? You're losing your sight, losing your mind. Would you uh, wish someone would tell you you're fine?
1: Well, this is my last resort.
2: Okay, fair enough.
1: Another thing in the news is Metallica is releasing a skate deck and T-shirt with Dogtown skateboards for 140 bucks. You can have this. New puss head looking kind of it's skate so deck.
2: Is, Dog, uh, is Dogtown a famous skateboard company? Yeah, Do- Dogtown, uh, there's actually a great documentary. I don't think it's on Netflix, but if you can track it down, it's called Dogtown and Z-Boys. It's basically the origins of like skateboarding. Dogtown was one of the first skateboarding companies ever. And it was like this group of dudes in Southern California that like created this whole subculture. Coming this summer, the origin story of skateboarding. That's right. It, you know, it really is fascinating. It's, it's an awesome documentary, Dogtown and Z-Boys.
1: That's definitely for a lot of adolescent young men who cannot get laid, or, or I don't know. Can you make love to a skateboard? Because that's enough. what they're doing. Well, you just named one person in the whole world who is somehow.
2: I'm just saying, like, like I'm thinking of like the rock stars of the skateboarding world: Steve Caballero, Mike Vallely, uh Mike McGill. Mm-hmm. Go uh, on, go on. Almost uh, Lance Mountain, uh, Nottis, uh Go on. Rick McCrank. When I'm listening. Uh, go on. <laughs> I, I, listen, I'm, you know me. I, I, I do love skating. You think I'm crazy for skateboarding at age 40 because I might break something. It has
1: nothing to do with your age. Thanks, Dad. It has nothing to do with your age. It has to do with your vocation, which is you are yes. a musician. Right. If Tony Hawk breaks his fucking arms and hands off, he didn't give a shit. No, that's what that's
2: involved in his job. Right. That can happen. But yeah, I, I saw Metallica post about this, and immediately I was like, God, I want that deck just to hang in the studio. But... I did
1: see that for 140 bucks, and you can inform us because you you understand skateboarding culture. It's 140 bucks for just the deck, so you right. don't do any trusses or wheels or anything. Is that where does that fall in the aggregate that's, price? That's more expensive than a normal deck. What's a normal deck cost? Like 70 bucks? Yeah,
2: I'd say like 70 or 80 bucks, maybe. Oh, that's a pretty um, good
1: guess on my part.
2: Yeah, so uh, maybe 100 bucks, depending on maybe like what skater it is.
1: Have you seen that there's a new documentary on Netflix about The Price Is Right guy, the guy who kind of gamed the system or the price no but right?
2: I've I've, I've, heard, I've read his story though there's a documentary I need about to watch it. it I haven't seen it I have nothing um, to say about it other it's than the that. dude that basically like just watched it so yes. much that he memorized all the prices correct Yeah,
1: basically counting cards version of yeah. pri- which who would ever want to scam uh is it Bob Barker Bob Barker man
2: I know what a nice gentleman My God, he's helping you know control the pet he population this, he is
1: the super long uh, pencil fin yeah
2: and Drew Carey uses it to The same, like, super long, awkward mic, too. Well, it's such
1: a huge visual aesthetic of that show. It's like you can't go in and be like, I want to use a more, I want to use an SM7. I want to use a headset mic. They're like, No, 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 no. Yeah. You're using a mic from the 70s that looks like (laughs) exactly a tiny little thin penis. Yep, it totally does. This is what they have to say about the deck, by the way. Inspired by 80s Dogtown and Metallica styles, the board shape and airbrush paint were designed by Jim Red Dog Muir and produced by Professor Schmidt at P.S.S.T.I.X. Jesus Christ. P-S-S-T-X. This is a weird sentence. The graphic art was perfectly blended by Sean Cliver. The graphic was silkscreened the old-fashioned way by Chicken at Screaming Squeegees. This is one of the weirdest paragraphs <laughs> I have ever read. It is weird, yeah.
2: yeah. Holy shit. I don't know Chicken at Screaming Squeegees. This is
1: like made up. Designed by Jim Red Dog Moore and produced by Professor Schmidt at P S sticks. <laughs> You can go to P.F. Chang's and get a, a, a. You can get a lovely noodle ball. And if, then you go to P.S. Sticks and you get Red Dogs you, and Professor Schmidt's uh, airbrush painted Dogtown Metallica well, deck.
2: Well, at, at, at P.S. Sticks, you can get a pad tie on top of this deck for an extra
1: $10. Right. It doesn't come with wheels, but you can use it like a bowl and, right, and, eat, exactly. and eat pad tie off of it. <laughs> uh, Kirk is in the news because he is hosting a horror movie exhibit at the Royal Ontario Museum in Toronto. Called It's Alive Classic Horror and Sci-Fi Art from the Kirk Hammett Collection. Very
2: cool. Look at him. He he did this before. He did one in Europe, right? I got to
1: imagine. Well, and he also, at the two ill-fated Orion Music Festivals, there was the whole, uh, his whole horror exhibit where he has like, he has some dope shit. Like, Mm -hmm. we all know he collects these old posters, he collects these crazy old, like Nosferatu posters and wax molds of Bella Lugosi and, and all that stuff. But he also has like some more modern stuff. Like he has the bunny hat, the bunny head of Donnie Darko. Oh, that's crazy. He has the head from reanimator. Yeah. He's got a bunch of stuff from alien, the alien films. So it's basically stuff from his personal collection. In fact, here's what it says about that. The ex- the exhibition features 90 works that provide insight into the evolution of horror and sci-fi films and how they've played upon contemporary societal fears. Hammett acknowledges his poster collection as a source of inspiration for his own musical creativity. The exhibition features film posters as well as collectible electric guitars, monster masks, and sculptures. So this is going on for like six months, July 13th through January 5th. So if you're in the Canada area or you have the means to travel to something like that... yeah. I mean, I wish I could, maybe I'll be touring up there or something. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, either of us could
2: very well be in Toronto. I, that would be so cool to see. I
1: did see an interesting uh, interview with him where they, he was talking about why Toronto. And he said Toronto is a huge hub for horror. Like, really? That the horror community is
2: very robust in Toronto. That's crazy. Which I would not have guessed that. I wouldn't guess that either. Where
1: would you guess? I would guess somewhere in like
2: Texas. I was, I was thinking of the desert. Yeah. You know, or like um, maybe Nevada or something. He's got Roswell there. Um, Do
1: you always call it Nevada? Nevada? Yeah.
2: Uh, well, you know. called it Nevada Growing up, I, I was called it Nevada Wow Nevada
1: That sounds like something I would call it from the South But you being a more cultured no. Southern California gentleman
2: I don't know That's well, Pardon what, me Pardon me, sir, have you seen Nevada?
1: Were you referring to Nevada, perchance?
2: No, it Nevada.
1: Nevada Well, we're going down to Nevada
2: yeah, Nevada sounds the way that maybe like Papa would say it We're, well, going, <laughs> we're going to go to Reno and go to Nevada
1: well, we're going to go on a long road trip back to California, but then we're going to way. We're going to stop in Nevada.
2: <laughs> exactly. We're going
1: to play horseshoes and Cornhole.
2: That's really how he
1: said it all growing up was just Nevada. More news. And this is the last little tidbit here. Joe Berenger, who we all know lovingly directed and spearheaded really some kind of monster. Yeah. The amazing documentary that, even if you're not a Metallica fan, is absolutely a must watch yeah. in terms of watching a band that big fall apart. Yeah. Um he made a movie, he's made two films. He's this is a big year for him. He yeah. made a, a four hour documentary about Ted Bundy, which is on Netflix. But more pertinent to this cause, he made a film that called uh what's it called here? It's a long weird title. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, evil and vile. Yeah. Which is apparently what the judge said to when he was pronouncing his judgment. Uh, okay. Said that. And uh, Jimmy James Het Sr. Squire Jr. Hetfield The third Plays the officer who
2: ar- who caught Bundy and yeah. arrested him Yeah, apparently, I haven't seen it yet But apparently he's only really only in like three or four scenes It's not like this prominent role But the scenes he's in, it's like, oh shit, there's Hetfield
1: So it says Hetfield plays Officer Bob Hayward In the upcoming film, the patrolman who arrested the real Bundy back in 75 while the role marks Hetfield's first dramatic acting debut, it looks like he hit this one out of the park. The reviews for his performance have been really good. Awesome. And Zach Efron was on Kimmel talking about it. And he said, you know, I guess he's a Metallica fan, like most people. Right. And he was like, you know, first of all, it's such an honor, or whatever, so crazy doing a scene with James Hetfield. He was like, you know, I was prepared to like give him some tips, you know, like yeah. some acting tips and shit. Zach Efron's actually a pretty legit actor. Yeah, for sure. And uh, he was like, you know, he came in, he had really done his homework, he had a lot of like, you know, he knew who the character was, he yeah. was very, and I can imagine James being very intense and like
2: really wanting to do a good job. he yeah, wants to nail it and imp- and, and, imp- and not necessarily impress everybody, but just, you know, <clears throat> you know it's like you're doing an audition, and like you want to really nail it and make sure that no one's going, ah, why do we hire him? Well, think about it too, if you're
1: someone like Zac Efron, you got the gig because you're a known actor. I mean, you did Baywatch with The Rock, come on. <laughs> and you did the Neighbors movies. Yeah, yeah, those are great. But if you're James Hetfield, you it's even more uphill because while you are a famous musician, you know you're on a set with a bunch of film industry people who either think you got the gig because you're famous or you got the gig because you're buddies with the director. Mm-hmm, yeah. So you almost have more to prove.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: You know, it's not his it's not his it's not a stadium with fifty thousand people who love nothing else right, matters. Yeah. You know? So anyway, I haven't seen it yet, but it's all on Netflix and uh I've heard it's pretty good. I just I'm not that interested in Ted Bundy. If it was Ed yeah. Kemper, or I, I mean, I'm obsessed with Jeffrey Dahmer. And uh, the, the more sick fucks. Right, right. Uh, Ed Gein. The people who remember when I was showing you pictures of Ed Gein? Yeah, because, uh, it was disturbing. <laughs> Slayer had the What's the Slayer song that was about Ed Gein? Was it Dead Skin Mask? Yeah, Dead Skin Mask. Yeah. Ted Bundy, while I'm not diminishing his horrible crimes, especially right. against women, it's just, I don't know. A four hour documentary about that. That's pretty long. I Sounds mean, it's tough. The Tom Petty documentary is four hours long. Eagles, Rightfully so. The Eagles documentary is four hours long. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that's the Metallica news for yep. all of you out there. I, I, it's our job to keep our fans and listeners updated with current well, Metallica you know, news. Some people
2: may, may have you know had a busy work week and they didn't see the Dogtown skateboard got released. And some like people that. may have never heard of Metallica. Right now, they're just listening because they thought this was an anthrax podcast. Oh, shit. It's not. Oh, dang it.
1: I have Scotty Ian come over, coming over later. Yeah, Scott's I'll, on his way right I'll now. I'll shoot him a text Tell him not to come over. He's a
2: big horror guy, too.
1: Um, Speaking of later, we are hanging out with Joe and Lizzie from Hailstorm later.
2: Yeah, yeah. They're in town for a few more days. They just got back from a U.S.-Canada tour. Uh, Joe and I were, like I was telling you earlier, in touch a little bit as our respective tours were trucking along. They're about uh, to go to—they're leaving Sunday for Europe,
1: and uh, we're going to go have some beers with them. The cool thing is someone—so when Joe came over to my studio, he loved my Nashville poster from the Nashville World Wired show. Right, right. And it's kind of infamous now in the poster world because it has a big typo on it. It says yep. 2018 instead of 2019. But it's this bitch, and you can see it the YouTubers at home. It's the one right behind Ethan's head. Well, a listener of the show, and I cannot remember who Ethan, but a listener sent us another poster, which, by the way, that one was not for sale. It was a VIP only. Yeah, VIP poster. And uh, I'm giving it to Joe from Hailstorm. And the person who donated the poster to us, write us an email. I forget, but they're big Hailstorm fans. So yeah. They were uh, the idea that what they donated to the show could go to Joe from Hailstorm got them stoked. So, we're giving it to him tonight. Um, So, moving on, quick housekeeping stuff before we jump into some anthrax. We have the iTunes and the Patreon. Listen, here's the deal. If you like the show, go leave a review. It's so easy. Why wouldn't you do it if you like it? Exactly. It's super easy. It only takes a second. Imagine how many, like, everyone has a podcast now. Everybody. I have two of them. You have two of them. Yeah. Conan Bryan has one. Right, that motherfucker. What an he idiot. already has two television
2: shows. What's he? Who does he think he is? A, a super successful, amazingly hilarious, super comedian? funny guy with an interesting perspective who has
1: a bunch of famous friends who can offer that can do what he wants. Right, that sucks.
2: Who does he think I he is? I hate him. Jeez.
1: But here's the deal: when people are looking for stuff to listen to, uh, they base it on these reviews. They, That's right, because there's so much to choose from. That if we have, you know, if we're not making sense over in the review department, if enough people aren't saying, "Hey, this shit's good," they're going to pass on it. Yeah. So if you like the show and you want other people to be on the ride with you, that's the easiest way to support the show. Yeah. If you really like the show and think the show has value and you can spare five bucks a month, which is general, generally what we ask for at Patreon. Yeah. You can join us on Patreon, P A T R E O N dot slash metal up your podcast. You're gonna hear a commercial about it later that involves what we give you, the cover are World black and EPs, come on the show for Metal Tales. We're giving away two free tickets to SN. So uh you'll hear about that later. At the very minimum, we'd like to say hello to our new patrons. We've got four. Why don't you read the first two? I'll read the last All two. All right, sounds good. We have Anthony Cortez, Charlene Lewis. We have Irvin Cervantes and Guciano Ginton. That's a cool name. It's me, Gushiano.
2: Hey, It's Gushiano. Hey, spaghetti.
1: <laughs> he's like It's a me, he's Mario. Like, he's like, I am not Italian. Yeah, he's like,
2: um I, li- I live in I'm from Spain. I live in Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> nevada or nevada <clears throat> i live i live in the city of nevada which is in nevada all right we're on the socials
1: the socials you need to come hang out with us there let's face it if you're listening to this you're probably not not on socials
2: you probably i'd be have really a... surprised if you're not on some yeah, kind of social media yeah what
1: are you what are you gucciano yeah seriously don't be a gucciano <laughs> in fact be like gucciano and get on the socials that's right we're on instagram we're on twitter we're on facebook yeah we're on stitcher and we even have a lot of our shit on YouTube, and I wanted to mention YouTube today because we got a funny comment. I put we up, did get a really funny comment. So I put up a few of the songs from the cover our world blackened uh, EPs on YouTube so that people can discover that and discover the show and, and give me a Grammy one day. And um, someone wrote on, "Do you have it? Did you just dial it up, or you just no? I, no I wasn't dialing it up. No, I, uh, there was I was something else to add after you're done. Well, someone left a comment. I don't have my. I can't. It said something like... No, um, oh, I can
2: dial that up real quick.'
1: It said, it sounds like an effete ghost.
2: Your voice on that cover. Yeah. Yeah. uh... Yeah. Sounds like an effete ghost is singing. So
1: what I first thought, because I confess to you all out there and to you, my friend Ethan, um, I didn't know what effete means. I thought it was a typo and he was trying to write effeminate. I thought he was trying to write fucking. Okay. And, you know, Siri is like, "Mm, did you mean effete? We were both wrong. So I had to go look the word up, and, you know, I couldn't have gotten to the keyboard fast enough to see what all the feet means, yeah. and uh, it's not good news. <laughs> oh, shoot. It means pretentious, ineffectual. So I sound like a pretentious, ineffectual ghost. Ghost. Which, I don't know, I sort of begrudgingly take as a comment, compliment. I mean, it's a,
2: it's a bit of an insult, but I find it kind of complimentary.
1: Well, I mean, it's not pretentious. When I open my mouth, to sing. That's just literally, is literally what comes out. And believe me, dear listener, if I could change it, I fucking would. If I could sound
2: like James Hetfield, that would. I would do that. I wouldn't do that. I mean, I do it for fun for a day. But, but... <laughs>
1: if I could have anyone's voice, it'd be like Rufus Wainwright.
2: Yeah, that'd be a good one, Rufus Wainwright. Um, God, that one's yeah, that one's pretty damn good. Hard to beat that. I mean, if you could sing like yeah, Rufus Wainwright, Jack Buckley could... is a good one. Maybe. Oh yeah. Um, hell, I'd take a Tom Petty man. Any, it, any Tom Petty It
1: doesn't bother me Oh my god Speaking of Tom Petty oh, I have to tell this story Side note So I already told you My friend Emily Earl Came over a little earlier to, to get something She left at
2: my house Who at we right. invited To do this episode with us <laughs> so, And she was like uh, right, You know I Salmon, Right And Clint started singing to her And she was like She didn't know
1: it Nope So Emily Earl For those of you Who have ever heard of Steve Earl Emily Emily Earl is Steve Earl's niece And she's a wonderful songwriter in town And Emily and I've been friends for about a year We write songs all the time together and uh, she left uh, her computer charger at my house, and I was like, "Oh, we're doing the podcast. You can come by." I was like, "Why don't you have a cup of coffee and be a guest?" And she was like, "I don't know
2: anything about Metallica. She, she literally might know zero percent about Metallica, other than like she knows their name because she didn't even know understand man or nothing else matters." But it was, I was glad she was here because Ethan
1: being a songwriter and Emily being a songwriter. So check this out. So this is great. This morning I played an odd in town thing with Rodney, and it was. Build as um, a statue unveiling. So it's like one song show up at Bridgestone Arena in the like the ground level that little area. You Outside, know, or you know that big, no, it's inside. You know that big cylinder that is yeah. right by Bridgestone. So that that big glass thing, yeah, that's like a little listening room. And uh, there was a stage set up, and yeah. we were going to play one song for the unveiling of this new statue. So <clears throat> we're doing our sound check, and I write a lot of nonsense songs at sound check. Here's what I'm not going to do at Soundcheck. Play whatever song I have to play for my job anyway. Right, yeah. So I'll, I was doing like Neil Young, Old Man. I was doing uh, just some of my favorite songs, but changing all the lyrics. I yeah. usually just sing about whatever is around me. Yeah. It's usually a pretty humorous affair. Well, this strange looking guy walks in and he's like moving chairs around. So he, he looked like he was like part of the event. Yeah because there were like it's like a lot of like nashville brass everyone was dressed up real nice it's the unveiling of the statue oh, the new statue
2: is please is
1: pleases sh- me to unveil this statue imported from nevada so he, there was another band playing after us and the first thing he said to us when he came up is he was like hey are these mics gonna move these mics need to move because this other band's gonna and we were all like uh oh, whatever dude talk to our production manager yeah i'm the talent motherfucker yeah, listen all right so i'm doing my sound check our, our uh, front of house guy, Alex, is like, Hey, I need you to keep playing and singing. You know, like he's, right. like, he's like, I know you hate this, but just I need to get levels in this room. So I start singing Living on a Prayer. Tommy used to work on the, the dock. We're sitting here at Bridgestone. You know, like, I was just right. making shit up. And I
2: think they dropped the puck.
1: And the funny guy, which, by the way, here's what the guy's wearing he's wearing a pinstripe suit, Skrillex ish shaved head, except for the top of his head, which is all black, that goes down into. A ponytail, kind of like the guy, the record label guy from Wayne's
2: World. I was, my God, I was just thinking the same word. Yes, I was. (laughs) What was that guy? Mr. Big. Mr. Is it Mr. Big? Mr. Big. And it was like three Gs on the the license plate. He's like smoking a cigar in the limo. Yeah,
1: he looked. He had a ponytail like that guy, but the but the sides were completely shaved. And uh I started playing "Living on a Prayer," and he looks up from his phone, and he was like, "Oh, I like that one." And I go, "This is me trying to make a fucking joke." It was so shitty. I go. Oh, you're a Leonard Skinner fan, and I'm, I'm saying all this on the mic. Yeah. So there are people, there are like bartenders walking around. This is people kind of milling about before this event, right? And he he looks at me with no understanding in his eyes that I'm making a joke, right? Like, you idiot! That's not Leonard <laughs> Skinner. And he was like, Leonard Skinner. I said, Yeah, you know, Tony used to work on the dock. I was like, That's like one of my favorite Leonard Skinner songs. And he was like, That's not Leonard Skinner. I was like, Oh, okay. And he was like, I'm from Gainesville meaning I thought he was connecting to Leonard Skinner. Right. I said, oh, Gainesville, you Tom Petty fan? And he, he held his hand up and kind of it and goes, "Yeah, eh. Eh. And I'm like, dude, I, like on the mic, I was like, oh my God, dude, you were the first person. I said, you were the only man on the planet who just gave Tom Petty a, eh. Eh. He was like, ah, I never really liked it. I was like, well, sir, we should study your brain like in a laboratory. Like <laughs> y- y- you, you're the only one. And uh, we should know what it's like, What your, how your brain works if you don't yeah. like Tom Petty. Let's get those brain waves flowing. Come on. And he was like, sing the other song you were singing. I was like, living on a prayer. And I was like, uh, you know, Gina got a six string and hawk. He was like, it's Tina. He like corrected the lyric. Yeah. And I was like, oh, whatever. And he goes sort of nonchalantly, he goes, I wrote that song. And I'm like, oh. Um, excuse me? Like, like, in my mind, like in Inception, like a whole, <clears throat> like six months passed. Yeah. of like connecting all the dots, and I said, and I thought to myself, "Holy shit, this is Desmond Child." Desmond and, Child. and I said, "I said, what's your name, man?" He goes, "Desmond." I was like, "Oh my oh, god. god!" For those of you who don't know, Desmond Child, who lives in town, has written so many songs that you love. He wrote "Living on a Prayer." He wrote "I Was Made for Loving You" by Kiss. He wrote like twenty Kiss songs. He wrote "Angel" by Aerosmith. Uh, dude looks like a lady. Dude looks like a lady. He wrote a lot of shit on "Permanent Vacation." Janie's got a gun. Uh, he wrote a lot of the shit On Get a Grip I think he it's co-wrote crazy. Living on the Edge I've been reading his name In liner notes Since I could fucking read Right And now you're In front of him yeah. Kind of making fun of him Well I was giving him shit For not liking Tom Petty Yeah And he goes Now do I need to get My head checked <laughs> And just without missing a beat I was like well of course But for different reasons That's a great response By him by the way well, so we finished our sound check and the other dudes in my banner looking at me like you fucking like, idiot. way to go, dude. We finished our sound check and I walked up to him and shook I you know, I did the kiss of the ring. Yeah. I said, Desmond, man, it is such a pleasure to meet you, dude. I, I am just a lifelong fan of your music. And he was cool. He was yeah. like, oh, thanks, man. Thanks, cool. And uh after we played the gig, I was gonna bolt, you know, we had yeah. to do this today and like hanging around the fucking unveiling of the statue isn't really my cup of tea also. Sure, yeah. But I was like, I'm gonna hang around and get a picture with him. Yeah. And I told Derek, or the guitar player, I was like, man, I, I never germ out like this ever. Right. Yeah. I was like, would you mind if we just sort of lingered? And and so I found like a little moment. I was like, hey, Desmond, man, I don't want to put you out, dude, but would you mind if I got a picture? He was really nice. He was like, of course. And we're like posing for the picture. He's like, you still think I should get my head checked? <laughs> so anyway, like we went out and got a coffee right after the gig and you know my dudes were just laughing they're like yeah. but at least that's an interesting story that's a great story because here's what you have to do okay if you are going to make if you're going to say tom petty is eh, yeah. you better have fucking written some barn burners you, you better have written 15 aerosmith songs well, or whatever. It, and once it got a little more casual i was like so what's your deal man you don't you really don't like to i was like tom petty's a great songwriter you know and he he's kind of a well-known eccentric type gay man yeah and he's like Nah, i never liked the way he looked I was like, oh, okay, looks, huh? He's like, yeah, I always say uh, start with the looks and hope for the best. <laughs>
0: that's
2: so anyway, it, That's his, his, his advice to Clint.
1: That's my Desmond child story. All right, moving back to the housekeeping. Are we Tangent City today? Holy kind shit, we it's are okay. Tangent it's City. Okay. Um, uh, Let's see, metalupyourpodcast.com where you can buy the OG logo and the Dagger logo. We will be doing a Lunar Satan campaign when I release the new Lunar yes. Satan song, which is coming up. Cover Our World and as we already mentioned, are the EPs that Ethan and I have made. They're reimagining... Uh, reimagined covers Of Metallica songs Volumes 1 and 2 Are available for patrons For free Volume 3 is coming out And will only be available To patrons That's right Until we release volume 4 Which who knows When that'll be Maybe 20 twenty twenty, or something
2: 2025 yeah.
1: And you're finishing up Your tunes on volume I'm finishing
2: three. up yeah I, I was hoping to have them Done by now But uh, the, the, I had to hit the brakes Only because the, You know When I'm on tour I basically try to find Like a spare dressing room To go record in And uh, the, literally like The last three Three and a half weeks Of shows There was like I think one or two days where there's a spare room and one of those days we were doing a podcast and so I haven't been able to attend to them like I would like to but I'm going to get on those in the next week or two.
1: I think it's time you quit hitting the brakes and start hitting the lights. Hey man. What do you think about that? I love that. Why don't you ride the lightning over to the Master of Puppets so we can finally have Injustice for All.
2: <laughs> that was great. Off the top, And of then head. I'm going
1: to need you to load and reload those coverable black and tins. Um, I'm happy to do that um, because right now nothing else matters. Well, you can put them all into your publishing, which I know is Garage
2: Incorporated. I just hope I'm not unforgiven. Well, you know, we'll have to ask the Phantom Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Can't do that. He's trapped under ice.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, everyone's got a thorn within. You think he'll escape? Well, uh, I I hope he can heed the call of Cthulhu.
2: It would have been better on his part to jump in the fire.
1: Right. Well, you know, with creeping death, uh, you know, afoot, um, we're going to have to see what happens in the middle militia.
2: God, you're so right. He uh, better hurry. It's almost Dire's Eve.
1: Well, he told me once he had no remorse.
2: Well, I mean, he is the ultimate harvester of sorrow.
1: Right. Well, you don't just get that job. You have to
2: draw the shortest straw, I'm told. Damn it. I was going to the shortest of straw next. Damn it. Clint wins the round. Okay, now... The that easiest... was a fun game, by the way. whatever we just, I, whatever we just what? played, I love playing fun games with you. I love fun things, as everyone knows. Love to have fun. That I was a good time. Well, maybe we'll do it again sometime. That could be a whole episode.
1: <laughs> maybe one day we'll do it again. Now, if you'd like to write into us, write some nutty stuff into us. Love nutty stuff. Metal Up Your Podcast Show at gmo.com. We read five a week. We like to take the temperature of the Metal Up Your Podcast community. We're going to do that now in what we lovingly and affectionately and sensuously... Mm, sexually. Call the The email email sandwich or (laughs) a sandwich
2: (laughs) stoner. Let's let's check
1: it out. All right.
2: All right. Our first email is from Cameron Whitlock. He says, "Hey guys." Uh, I still listen to the podcast every week. Keep up the good work. Well, we will. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Most of my favorite bands besides Metallica are from the 70s, and I had a th- uh, 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 I had thought of an interesting scenario. Tommy used to work on the thank, thank you. Thank you,
0: Tina. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, you're I'm my thank you. <laughs> uh,
2: he says, if you can go back in time, what 70s band would you both like to be in? Great question. Great question. Uh, mine would be to play with, here we go, Leonard Skinnerd. Who famously wrote
1: Living on a Prayer. Living on a
2: Prayer, yeah, with the song about Tommy and uh, and Gina.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> is it Tommy and Gina or Johnny and, G- and Gina?
2: Tommy and Tina.
1: I need to call my good friend Desmond Child and get call to him the up. fucking bottom yeah. of this.
2: He's he's actually going to be here later to be on the show.
1: Dude, this is embarrassing. I wasn't going to say this. Say it. So my friend Trey Gray, who drums for Brooks and Dunn, okay. is in town. He doesn't live here. He's, he's a good friend of our drummer Kevin's who was there. So I guess Kevin told Trey about this, about my whole Desmond child shitting the bed. And I'm sort of newish friends with Trey. I don't have his number in my phone. Yeah. So I get in my fucking car from this event, and I get a text from a Nashville number that I don't have in my phone. Right. And it says, hey, uh, may I introduce myself? Desmond, Desmond child, dot, dot, dot. Hmm. (laughs) And I wrote, what? And he wrote, your boss, Rodney, gave me your phone number. No. And I wrote, Ha ha! Hey man, I'll make you a Tom Petty mix, smiley face, and then I hit up my dudes you and I, thought, oh and I said, I, "I swear to God, this is so embarrassing." I said, "Dudes, Desmond Child is fucking texting me right now." <laughs> and then my friend Trey was like, "It's me, Trey,
2: dumbass." Oh my god! Well, I would have thought the same thing. Well, I, especially dude, that first sent, that for, first text
1: for a small sliver, Ethan. I felt like my life was about to change. Right. I just thought oh, Desmond is- liked me. And maybe he wants to fuck me or something, which, by the way, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought he's he wants to be my friend. Right. And I'm going to be fr- – I was like – I texted him like, Desmond Child is fucking texting me right
2: now. We're, we're, we're going to be bros.
1: I really wish I had waited like 30 more seconds to send that because then Trey was like, it's me, Trey, dumbass.
2: Yeah. See, if I was Trey, I would have kept going with it, at least for like another couple texts. That's cruel, man. I mean, the first text is cruel. <laughs> the well, first one is, So you're I- saying once you, once you open
1: the do- door of cruelty –
2: I mean, Once it, th- it's gonna, you're gonna get let close. down hard either way. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying make it go on
1: for. You would days. be let down quite a bit harder if it was let it'd on.
2: Be longer a little bit though. harder, but it'd be good. Hey man, let's get a co-write on the books. I'd love to write with you. Right <laughs> I now. would. Ne- I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't do like, hey, we should write. Like, what are you doing on Monday? Or something. hey, let's me, you, and Paul Stanley get in a room and write a hit song. Yeah, what he's he's say. gonna be in town. Shit, I would not go that far. All right, sorry to interrupt you. So, Anyways, uh, he says, I'd like to know your choices, talking about what 70s band we'd like to be in. I'd like to know your choices since there are so many bands from that time that are so legendary.
1: Absolutely. I I challenge anyone to to name another decade in which you can name so many legendary bands. Right. Uh, Let's start with you. So 70s band, or maybe we can camp out a little bit. I know right away. Yes. What? What I'm going to say.
2: Can you guess? Is The Clash 70s? Okay. That's my choice. Was that their heyday? Uh How about the 80s wasn't honestly, London Calling honestly, 80s? No, London Calling was 79. The okay. the heyday would uh, even though London Calling's like a classic record. I mean the heyday was when Rock the Casbah came out. Right. Should I say or should I go? And that was 83. Right. But they they, uh, they formed in 76, I believe. The first okay. record was 77. They put out 3 records before 1980. How
1: would you integrate into that band? Would you be a guitar player/songwriter? slash songwriter? Did Joe write everything or was that Joe a-
2: wrote most of the songs, but other people definitely wrote some stuff too. Um Obviously, Mick Jones wrote. You know, should I stay or should I go? Um That's not obvious to me. Not obvious to you? I didn't he, know that. he sings it. So, well, I don't even know his, that it's is. his song or whatever. But, but I mean, you know, it, it was a collective. But Joe wrote the majority of the songs, right? You know. Um What I, about what about the? I thought I thought you might say the Whalers. God, that'd be cool
1: too Because they were rocking that shit in the 70s Oh yeah, right? yeah, that was
2: pr- pr- predominantly 70s Everyone I mean, knows that Ethan's a big
1: reggae cat yeah. By the way, I, I would never get tired of uh, saying and promoting this But Ethan's record Let It Burn, which is a reggae masterpiece in my opinion That oh. he made with Paul Moak I, And it's not just because I played a bitch and solo in one of the songs It is a bitch and solo But uh, check out Let It Burn, Ethan's record, his reggae record he made It's so fucking Hey good. listen,
2: and Clinton's not bullshitting you And I'm not saying that about like, it is a great record I'm proud of it, but Bullshitting as in like He's not just saying Oh check out my record Like he doesn't actually like it But he really does He'll text me when I'm on the road Like dude I do it all the time We're rocking Let It Burn On The Bus we I love play it. it on the bus All the fucking time it's, all, it's, it, it's, a, it's a good after show vibe record
1: And my kid loves it too I mean we play it here all the time too it, it stays So like we, you know Ethan and I are big vinyl nerds And um, like in my B-Rig You can see I have maybe like 60 pieces over here That right. are like kind of What I'm jamming Yeah, And then we keep about five Over in the A-Rig That are yeah. out Yeah like um uh kind of blue always out oh cool yeah and i haven't bought a second copy kind of Kinda blue to keep in here that's Ooh, how fucking nice. rich i am god i mean
2: but let it burn stays out
1: awesome we never put it up it's because it's always in rotation i love
2: i love it man and i love that your daughter loves it so much kit you know when it comes to reggae and like scott music it has this good you know feeling well, to she it. Can, they love dancing to she it she can so dance love... to it yeah and
1: totally. and the, the lyrics are you know she, it's easy for her to like latch on to You're only gonna get so far. Oh, cool. So far, or you know, I feel so helpless. Yeah. awesome. So helpless without you. Heck yeah. It's easy. Um, now I've said this before, but the '70s is, and forgive me, Metallica fans, don't fucking crucify me for this, but um, the '70s is my favorite decade of music because, I mean, Sabbath, mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin, Kiss, Pink Floyd, Kiss, everything Elton John did in the fucking seven. I'm tempted yeah. to say Elton John's band. Because, and and it's not like he made like three. Like Pink Floyd made, um, they did Dark Side, Animals, Wish You Were Here, The Wall. They made four records in the seventies, right? Which are
2: all amazing records. Some of the
1: greatest records ever made. Yeah. Elton John made like ten. Yeah, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, Caribou, Honky Chateau, um, Don't Shoot Me I'm the Piano Player, uh, Madman Across the Water. Yeah. Uh just I'm I'm missing some. I'm not even naming them all. I mean, God, Petty made a bunch of Well Don- Tom Petty made damn torpedoes. Yeah. Uh he made he made um uh long after dark, his first record, which is a fucking barn burner. So there's the Heartbreakers. There's Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. There is I mean, there's just so many. Um but God, the but the
2: Elvis Costello Elvis making-
1: Costello's heyday was in the seventies for sure. Um, what? Uh, Paul Simon Still crazy after all these yep, years Paul I mean Simon. Great, Graceland was in the 80s But still crazy after all these uh, years Bruce Springsteen Springsteen Oh my god dude Darkness on the edge of fucking town
2: Darkness on the edge of town the, uh, Was it The River 70s or the early 80s? Uh,
1: I don't know about The River But I know Born to Run is 70s Greetings from Asbury Park Yeah, um, Bob Dylan Dylan's 70s stuff is so sick The band The band, gosh Um, But the band that I, that I thought about this question and the band that I would absolutely be in, and it's, and it's probably going to bump some people out, straight up, the fucking Eagles. Oh, my gosh. Because everything that I admire and love about music culminates yeah. in the songwriting, the singing, the musicianship. Yeah. I was, I've been listening. You can see it right there. Their first record, Eagles. Yep. Um, I see it. The very first song, Take It Easy, which was a Jackson Brown co-write. Is
2: that Octoon Baby behind it?
1: Absolutely. It is Octoon like Baby. I,
2: I can just see the very tip of it, and I knew.
1: Yeah, some of our listeners, like, I've posted some pictures of my studio, and it is amazing to me, like... A lot of zooming in happening. Yeah, like, Anya will be like, nice tape collection, like, I'm like, how can you see that? Yeah. Because here's what's in my tape collection, which, Your by, flies the, way, down. by okay. the way, thank you for bringing me Reload today on cassette. Yeah,
2: I found Reload on cassette for Clint on the road.
1: And our friend uh, Angelo uh, sent me Load, so now I have the Load yep. and Reload, but also it, mixed in that collection is a lot of Crowded House, uh in excess Anal vomit. And Anal Vomit. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, my answer is the Eagles, and your answer was uh, the Clash. The clashies. but the God the Whalers, shit. I know, dude. That I, th- I thought you might say Bob Marley and the Whalers. Hmm. All right, if you had to choose between the Clash and the
2: Whalers, what would it be? Oh my God, gut reaction. Oh my God, I know. I know. Um, shit, man. That's a, that that that's almost impossible to decide for me. But I'm I'm you know I'm gonna stick with the Clash. Okay.
1: All right, cool. Thanks for the wonderful question, Cameron. All right, email Food number two. I know, sorry. <laughs>
2: well, look, if you don't
1: dig the Tangent City, then hey, what the fuck are you
2: doing here? A lot of, and a lot of times, if you listen to these Exploded Big Four episodes before, it is more of a Tangent City because we're just listening to one record. We're not going through a timeline of a year of Metallica or anything like that. So it's okay. We're going to get through these. We're going to listen to Among the Living. It's going to be a good time. Well, I
1: humiliated myself in front of one of my favorite songwriters today, so I don't you give a fuck. Did. Yeah, yeah you're, yeah, you're all out of fucks to give. I'm okay. So. Like, we were going to get coffee after that and uh, I was like, "Can we go find a beer?" But it was like ten in the morning. Uh, Anthony Cortez writes in, hey guys, hope you're enjoying your much deserved break. He's of course referring to our Memorial Day break, the first week off we have ever taken in two and a half years, and there
2: was still content, and though.
1: we still put out a fucking radio episode. I have
2: another one that in the can by the way. I haven't uploaded yet. You've already recorded it. Yeah, I just I haven't uh, finished editing it yet. That's it's how good dedicate... It's gonna be a fun one though.
1: Really, D- should we learn more or we're we gonna wait? Just, uh, well, I mean,
2: uh, eh, let's just wait. Okay. Let's just wait. Okay. Uh
1: in all seriousness, we are dedicated. You know, like Ethan and I are often gone and every week we try to figure something out. It's just right. so important to us that uh that the strength remains in this fucking podcast oh, yeah. and that it's you know, for us to take that week off was no joke. I mean, we planned on recording
2: as soon as you got home from the road. Right. Yeah. But God
1: damn it, you'd been gone. It's Memorial Day. It felt good to take a week off.
2: It did, yeah. Um but I mean Having said two, that, two and a half years later, we haven't taken a week off with zero content.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's weird. Well,
2: that's, I mean, it's awesome. No, it's nice. It's we comm- love. Uh, hey, we, uh, man, we love y'all. One you all out there,
1: man's man. weird is another man's commendable. Exactly. Uh, Anthony goes on to say, "I'm an OG listener who finally jumped on the Patreon train. Sorry it took so long. No worries. That's okay. Don't worry about it." He says, "I couldn't be happier to see everything you've done with the show so far and what you've planned out for the future. I, for one, hope that when you decide to call it a day with the show." You at least consider rebranding it to talking about the music industry in general, life, and whatever else. I think I I think I think can speak for a lot of your listeners when I say that we enjoy your thoughts and opinions on the many subjects you touch on. And, of course, the many tangents, characters, and fun nonsense you come up with. Anyways, keep doing what you're doing. We'll be here to listen and support. Much That's love cool. and respect from San Antonio, Texas, New Jersey. Anthony. Thanks, Anthony. Well, we didn't even plan that, but that ties into kind of what
2: we were literally just saying. Yeah.
1: In terms of um, Tangent City.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's no it's no surprise that when we jump into a tangent, uh, sometimes we kind of sit here after we finish recording and think like, was that cool or should we get should we edit that out? But we come to find out, you know, through all you fans and your feedback, is you guys love that kind of stuff. Um, maybe not everybody, but most of the people seem to really enjoy it when we go on a tangent about something kind of totally off subject.
1: I think we've found our people. Like we, the show, oh, yeah. the show continues to grow. Um, uh, this month, the month of May. That's the month that's about the almost,
2: right. Yeah. May, well, it'll, it'll be June by the time this comes out.
1: So, as of today, which is uh, May 30th, um, this is our highest ever download month. Crazy. We're almost at 40,000 a month. That's amazing. And we averaged anywhere from 30 to 35 to 40,000, depending on the metal tails. Right. And uh, th- this was by far our highest month. So, we're still growing. But what I mean by that is, like I think we've found our core people. I think so. Yeah. And, um, we, I think we've established a lot of trust with them, mm-hmm. and I think having the consistent content, even when we've been, when you've been, dude, we've done an episode when you were in fucking Romania. Yep, sure did. So I just think that we've <laughs> we've found and weeded out the week and found our people. So there's grace for that. And you know, not every episode's like this. This is unusual. This but is You know unusual, what it is? Because yeah. I'm, you know what it is. Really, I'm glad to see you,
2: dude. I, I I was so excited to come over here today. When you said, can you come over an hour earlier at one? I was like, I'm, out I'm to already my car in your driveway. Like, yeah. you like
1: i'm sitting in your driveway
2: yeah um, waiting for you to get
1: done embarrassing yourself in front of desmond Drive. i'm already here yeah uh well anthony you have no idea um how far these kinds of messages go for us yeah because really cool. sometimes even though we get a lot of nice emails sometimes it does feel like uh, uh, not in a vacuum but it does it's just nice to hear that someone really enjoys it to the point where even if we talked about non-metallica shit, right, be yeah. on the ride. so right, exactly. I,
2: anthony i appreciate that homie our next email is from Angelo Gonzalez, our good Angel. friend on who, who sent us lovely gifts recently. You just talked about the load record. Angel's a sweet cat. Yeah, and I got uh I got reload on vinyl from him, which is very cool. That he, is so cool, man. He sent you, you me that and uh lightning, right? He sent me ride the lightning and uh and load, dude. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yep. Um, he says, Hey brothers, uh, I was watching the frantic live video from Lisbon. And I don't know if you heard it, but you can definitely hear uh, recorded overdub tracks on James's vocals during the verses. Check out this video. Uh, I was able to isolate the overdubs in the audio. You'll hear what I'm talking about when he gets to the first. All right. And do you know where they would have gotten these, those tracks, blah, 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 blah? All right,
1: so he sent me the clip I want to play. Have you All heard right. this yet? I actually did not hear it yet. All right, you ready? Yes.
2: Oh. Uh-oh.
0: <laughs>
2: you know what uh, first of all that that live shit sounds so good oh my god uh, no. second of all you know what? i can hear it
1: i think i can hear it i hear i hear what he's talking about yeah dude I, so <laughs> what were you well, okay so i heard that before you came because i i thought he was being serious because i thought he was being serious too to, to, to answer the answer the question seriously which i don't even think he was expecting us to on these live metallica so for those of you who don't know the boys are multi-track mixing every show right yeah so you whatever show you went to with your ticket you get that show for free and if you just liked the bitch and setlist which the european setlists on the stadium tour have been so fucking awesome yeah you can buy them, and they're not just shitty soundboards. They're actually, they, it's the Greg yep. Fiddleman team of engineers. Yep. So sometimes, if there is a big flub or a big boo-boo, what they'll do is they'll take. A previous night's version right yeah so i thought what he was going to play was like because they've already they've you know they it's not it's a saint anger slot but it's yeah. it's frantic and each of
2: those probably five times or
1: something. right well maybe less but yeah. they've only done like seven shows on this leg so
2: far that's true okay yeah
1: but they've done them to, at least twice so if there is like a really fucked up section they can go and grab like barcelona's for the spain show or whatever right yeah so i was not expecting him to of course humorously Uh, Taken it, And by the way, nice engineering skills. He mixed in our Bob Rock singing Frantic because I put a vocoder on it and everything. I love it. It was
2: really fun to watch you respond to that. I was just about to say I'm really glad that I actually hadn't listened to that yet. Um, The last maybe four or five days of tour were like really hectic kind of gearing up towards the end. We had a, a whole the whole acoustic tour was coming to an end. We had a, a full band electric show at the last right. show. So we were dealing like with a, you were dealing with a horrid case of herpes I and herpes and stuff. I was like relearning a bunch B. of the versions of the songs for the last show. Right. So I would like skim through our emails and stuff. And and uh, I saw that one, but I didn't click on the video. So I'm, I'm actually now thankful that I waited until. Yeah, me too. To... The metal
1: gods have been good to us. And that, that was regard. amazing. Well, My gosh, uh, Angel, thank you. That was fucking hilarious. That dude. was amazing. Uh, two more emails here. gusciano
2: Gushiano, our new patron
1: oh, I have to think of him like an Antonio Banderas
2: The type. The patron saint of Gushiano It is I, Gushiano It's Gushiano.
1: I have a loaded six string on my back And like when you say his name, like you just hear wind Like, it is I, Gushiano. Yeah We really are finishing each other's sandwiches. <laughs> he says, hey Clinton, Ethan By the way, new patron Yeah And so is Anthony uh, We. I can't say thank you to the patrons enough, by the way I know, they're amazing um He says, Hey, Clinton, even love the podcast. Just wanted to say that you guys fucking rock. Your thoughts on Metallica, how you are able to describe them, and the hilarious sound bites during the show, like the intro has me dying. I really love it. I'm a somewhat new Metallica fan. I've known a few of their songs over the years, but a couple of months ago, I decided to do a true deep dive and heard Master of Puppets in its entirety and was like, What the fuck? How didn't I give this a chance before? Yep. The song Master of Puppets is an epic, but I'd never heard most of the other songs before. Now I'm all in, starting slowly. One album at a time. Wow. He says, anyway, your podcast is a great companion to listening to their music. I do want to ask, is there an order I should listen to the albums in that's not in sequential order? For example, if you know the machete order for Star Wars, which we'll put a little pin in that for you, Ethan. I've started with Master of Puppets, but if you've never heard the albums, how would you re-listen to them for a first-time listener, if that makes sense? It makes total sense. We'll get to it in a second. He says, thanks for following your passion and inspiring others to do the same while rocking the fuck out to Metallica. And I'm going to go ahead and add with Coca-Cola Classic. Absolutely, as you should. In Antarctica. In Antarctica. Which, by the way. Is in Nevada. Exactly. (laughs) Peace and love, Gushiano. P.S., the zone it at the end of the Patreon message had me dying. He says, fuck Phil, but not completely fuck Phil. There's there's a mixed response to Phil. On one hand, it does seem as if James and Lars have credited him for keeping them together and on right. the other hand he seems like a pretentious douchebag uh if feet might die maybe my, a little bit of feet maybe a little bit of feet if i may use my new popsicle word of the yeah. day from our charming asshole over on youtube <laughs> um, right because of course jason of course called it a bunch of homo shit which that comment's not aged very well but i don't think old desmond would dig that very much Desmond he might that. he might rather hear me say that uh he needs to have his head checked for not liking Tom Petty. So, what say you, my friend Ethan, in terms... So, he's new to
2: the band. Right. Which, by the way, huge compliment, largely inspired by this podcast. That's pretty pretty awesome. I can't imagine, like, being... I'm not sure how how old he is. Um, I think he's
1: 117.
2: That sounds about right. Um, I can't imagine being 117 years old and all of a sudden hearing Mass Puppets for the first time. Right. And you're so blown away that you want to listen to the rest of the I kind of wish I could, you and, know. Yeah. And then going, okay, where do I go next? What order do I listen to these? In? I, I think it would
1: depend on you know if you liked Puppets, I would say stay there. I would say the the immediate next record you need to listen to if you like the record Master of Puppets is Ride the Lightning, right? Because those two to me feel like sister records. Um, if you if you still like that thrashy stuff, I would say stay in the eighties. Um, of course, Kill 'em All, the seminal masterpiece, and Justice for All. As they start to move into the more progressive metal, once you turn the corner. After 1988 into Black Album through the Bob Rock era, it's definitely a different sauce. It is, yeah. I don't think it's different enough to warrant the outrage that we often talk about. And of course, because of my age, it never really occurred to me to be outraged by any of that of course, shit. That's yeah. not oh, my
2: Metallica. What the hell happened?
1: I would say the only record that you really need a robust um, fanship to to get through is Saint Anger. Yeah. Although there's almost another argument to be made, like if you don't have all the context of how badass they were for 20 years, yeah, Saint Anger might be. You might be like, "What's the problem?" Yeah, it might be better to hear Saint Anger earlier, maybe so. Yeah, than to know how good, how good they're
2: capable of sounding and writing, right? And then hearing that
1: atrocious record,
2: yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean that's a tough thing. Um, the whole Machete Order thing in regards to Star Wars. I figure you're a Star
1: Wars nerd. Okay, so I, I love Star that.
2: Wars, but I, I I have to say I don't. I don't know this. I'm um, just looking it up here and okay. I'm trying to find a list of what it is. Please, it,
1: it, with in in a, in a non effete manner. Um, I'm just
2: trying to find like a list. Like, what is what does it mean? Like, what uh, are you having no luck? You, no luck on the Google train? Okay, so someone says uh, uh, the machete order. Uh, he notes the issue of watching them uh, in episode order, namely that Darth Vader reveal is spoiled. Whatever. Uh, But also mentions there's some issues arise if you watch them in the release order, which hadn't occurred to me. He suggested, whoever this is, uh, watching them in this order. Let's hear it. Uh, Episode four, New Hope, five, Empire Strikes Back, two, Attack of the Clones, three, Revenge of the Sith, six, Return of the Jedi, Hmm. then episode one. I I, I don't know. I mean, reordering them for the sake of maybe some different storylines making more sense or whatever. Uh, Those
1: movies are so boring,
2: all of them. Yeah, even
1: the the best one clearly to me is Empire. Empire's great. Um, yeah. I have
2: a I, I like all the new ones.
1: I have a connection to Jedi just because of my age. Sure, but A New Hope is almost. I tried to rewatch it recently, like four years ago. For me, almost unwatchable. Really, Interesting. the. Prequels were they're terrible. Just con- they're just considered some of the biggest atrocities. Yeah. as a big in f- Star Wars fan in film I history, those I, I like. I have don't any like of them. those
2: aged well? Or have any of those become like strange cult classics or something? I don't think so. Does I th- think there's some people that like. Okay, so I kind of equate those three movies to like saying anger. When they first came out, I was like, "Fuck this! This sucks." As I've gotten older and maybe have revisited them, I can find good moments. Like, Phantom but, but that Menace but, was okay. But that doesn't make... See, Phantom Menace, I thought... Uh, I don't know. I didn't like it. What is it? Attack of the Clones and then Revenge of the Sith? Revenge of the Sith, I thought the last, like, 30 minutes was like, okay, this is getting cool. But, what, the last 30 minutes of a film? It's not that good, you know?
1: Well, especially when you're living up to, you know, Harrison Ford and fucking Star Wars, right, yeah. man. Because I... Here's what I can definitely appreciate. Um, I'm a huge film nerd and a huge huge fan of 70 uh, because talk about this decade of the 70s musically for American filmmaking the 70s is completely unrivaled because you had Brian De Palma, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, uh, you had Paul Schrader riding fucking Taxi Driver, you had Martin Scorsese making Mean Streets and the you know you had Francis Coppola making The Godfather. Mm -hmm. The 70s I mean, the 70s is the Metallica of decades for movies. Right, yeah, sure. So, And George Lucas, you know, he fits into that. He, he was super innovative. He changed film. Yeah, absolutely did. And from that angle, I have a lot of love for that shit. Yeah. I just think as as if you divorce it from nostalgia, yeah. it is hard to watch those movies. We also got the first Rocky movie. Hell yeah, you got the first fucking Rocky yeah, movie, yeah. which won an Oscar. Yep, sure did. Uh, when did, also, Rock, when also did Rocky II come out? Rocky II was
2: or 79 or is 80.
1: See, it was also, I mean, I know you're I'm pivoting a little bit from Rocky, but if you look at the horror horror films, you've got John Landis making American Werewolf in Fucking London, you've got uh David Lynch making Eraserhead. Yeah. You've got Toby Hooper making The Chainsaw Massacre, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You've got uh William Friedkin making The Exorcist. These are these are movies that ha- I mean, uh, haven't uh, John been Carpenter. Uh yeah, Halloween, that's 1979. Yeah, that, right. and also
2: uh, uh uh oh my God! Dawn, uh, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, George Romero. Or, uh, Romero. Yeah, yeah. That's George Romero. Yeah. Uh, Night of the
1: Living Dead was I think sixty nine, but yeah, he yeah. he would make the Dawn of the Dead is one of the most beloved. Yeah, that Dawn of the Dead was seventies, the and then
2: I think Day of the Dead was early eighties. And
1: that's not even. I mean, Wes Craven was doing The Hills Have Eyes, and there was Let's Scare Jessica to Death. What's the wrong Mary Jane? I mean, the seventies was just happening, man. Yeah, totally. Saturday Night Fever. I love Saturday Night, it's dude. A, Saturday Night Fever is a sad movie. It is. It really is a sad movie. Um. John Travolta, man Kicking ass Brian De Palma He did a film with Brian De Palma This is like 84 Called Blowout You ever seen Blowout? I have not All right, let me tell you the premise
2: Okay, let's hear it
1: Um, Speaking of tangents By the way, this is the first episode Of our new podcast, I think (laughs) I think it is And we're going to cap it up By listening to to Anthrax In Blowout John Travolta plays A sound engineer for movies Okay And what he has to do Is he's got to go out And get some He works for like Shitty B-films He's got to go get some B-footage sounds Of like cars driving On the highway because, you know, he's in the studio, you realize most of the sounds you hear in movies aren't made on set. Right, it's called a Foley artist, too. You, yeah, like, you have to, like, put all that in. If someone, yeah. like, you know, there was an interesting, like, when people get, like, chopped up blood and guts, it's like people, like, hitting water, it's like Gallagher in a fucking sound studio. <laughs>
2: Gallagher was a Foley artist in his, in his previous
1: life. Well, so he's just recording ambient cars driving. Right. And he records um, a, uh, a car Drives off a cliff into a water and they die. Well, he finds out in the car was a famous Senator and a prostitute and he's analyzing the audio. And what you hear is someone shot the tire out. So someone had him killed. So he's the audiologist crazy and he basically <laughs> goes insane because no one believes him yeah and he's like look listen and you can hear a gunshot do they think
2: maybe they think in the movie like he made it up because this is what you do for a living
1: i just think like well you've got some shady shit going on so there's obviously some big pieces happening someone had this politician killing. right so there's that angle of like we're not trying to hear the truth and then there's like the detectives are all like they've they're it's like set in new york or something they, they've got a million cases so they just they wrote it off as like a drunk politician died in a car crash. Right, and he's yeah. like, look, we have to solve this fucking crime. Yeah, And he gets on the mobster's radar because he's trying to bring justice to it. So yeah. he, they uh, try to okay. kill him. They erase all his tapes. It's
2: called Blowout. I'm in. You got to check it out. I'm in. Uh, where were we in the we podcast? Have, we, we have one more email to read. Okay. <laughs> this might be the, the latest email segment of all time. That's fine. I don't care. I'm, I'm having a great time. Yeah. Uh, Joaquin Perez says, hey, fellows. Um, hey, good day from the land down under He says, cue Ethan's weirdly accurate Aussie accent is, hey, it th- weirdly, is it weirdly accurate? Thanks, mate Hey, geez. Uh Hope you do are well I'm 21 years uh, from Sydney, Australia And a longtime fan Soon to be a patron uh, of the show uh, As a fellow musician It's really refreshing to hear professional musicians Discuss the band from a relatable point of view uh, Really quick, just wanted to mention I was honestly not a huge Metallica fan Until I stumbled upon your show Wow, another one This is crazy um It was you guys that maybe want to hit up the old metallic material. As a uh, result, discover what one of my now favorite albums, "Kill 'Em All." This is awesome. I love this email. Very cool. Uh The reason I'm emailing you guys is that I'm starting a little il- uh, illustration page fo- focused on iconic bands and their and the gear that they've uh, become synonymous become with. synonymous with uh, in respect to each era of their career. I decided to start with Metallica with the Black Album era. I wanted to get your guys' opinions on it. See if there's anything I'm missing. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's, uh, we'll
1: post a link to the to yeah. this on the social. I saw it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's like this interesting, really minimalistic, simplistic take on art from the Black Album era. It looks great. It looks right. awesome.
2: Totally. Uh, ends the email, email by saying, looking forward to hearing back from you guys. Thanks for the rad content and for opening me up to the greatest metal band in the world. You're welcome. Horns Up Dudes, Joaquin. That's Joaquin Phoenix, I think, right? Mm, Joaquin Joaquin mm. Uh, Thank you, Joaquin. That's a great email and we're glad that you uh, have gotten into Metallica through this little avenue An
1: amazing here. compliment. it's great. yeah, I love it Well look uh, we'll keep that one short and sweet so we can get out of the emo corner and get into some anthrax Let's do it. We want to say thanks to everyone for writing in Metal up your Podcast show at gmo.com. It's the easiest way to get a hold of us. We love interacting with our listeners. We've been a fan-friendly podcast since the beginning mm. and uh, we'll now exit the goddamn emo corner Let's get out of here. <laughs> Hey, it's Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we hope you're enjoying the Metal Tales from the Road series. If you've been keeping up with us, then you already know that we've covered every stop on the 2018 2018- 2019 North American Arena Tour, and we look forward to catching up with all of our European friends later this year on the stadium tour overseas. And there's more! After the stadium tour, we are continuing the Metal Tales series for any Metallica show in the past. Maybe you saw one of the Orion Festivals. Maybe you were at the Channel in 1984 and Cliff Burton bought you a beer. Maybe you were at one of the 30th anniversary shows, or you just saw a regular-ass show in North Dakota somewhere. We want to hear from you. Since Ethan and I started Metal Up Your Podcast, we've wanted to find a way for listeners to call in and share their stories. Well, this is it. To make yourself eligible for a future or past Metal Tales episode, please consider joining us on Patreon. For $5 a month, you not only get to come on the show as a guest... You also get both of our Cover Our World Black EPs, monthly giveaways like deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, posters, and other goodies. You get early access to our YouTube videos, and we also let you ask our guests, like Ray Burton, Michael Wagner, Hailstorm, members of Slipknot, your very own questions. For what essentially amounts to two cups of coffee a month, You can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. For any of you on the ride with us, we love you. We thank you. Peace and
0: adios.
2: Let's get into some uh, anthrax among the living, Clint. What do you say? So, I I agree. Great. Isn't it nice that I agree? Uh, I was
1: nervous. You what if in? I disagreed? I would probably just have to leave. Wouldn't that be horrible? Yeah. So, like we do with a lot of listen throughs, we're gonna contextualize the record, we're gonna read some facts about it, how it was made, when it was made, a few anecdotes, and then we're gonna dive in. So yeah, you being the resident anthrax fan, right. are going to
2: steer the ship. Hey. All aboard. And ahoy. Ahoy, <laughs> matey. Okay. Um yeah, Anthrax among the Living. I mean, this is uh, you know, my favorite anthrax record. Um the third record they did, um, recorded in 1986 at Quadrille Studios in Miami, Florida, and at Compass Point Studios in Nassau in the Bahamas. How
1: do you decide to record in Miami, Florida?
2: Uh, maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe this is where Eddie Kramer wanted to record. Mm. Maybe maybe that's where his studio was at the time, or a preferred studio.
1: Well, I mean, he's a British cat, right? Yeah,
2: but uh, I don't know.
1: I don't know what the decision so, look, was. He's like, here are was. the two options. Um, Abbey Road Studios yeah. in London. Or this really nice little place called Quadrio Studios in Miami. In Miami, yeah. If you guys like the
2: you know the club scene, the Cuban club scene down there, you're gonna love it.
1: I live for it. I live to dance. <laughs> Did you know that?
2: Do you know so, that one and, of my greatest passions is to dance? And sometimes you have to dance to live. Well, live to win, dance to live. That's right. All right. <laughs> um, they recorded in 1986. Uh, I, surprisingly, I could not find the specific uh, start and end time for recording, um, but it was released in March. Uh, March 19, 1997 On uh, the 22nd On Megaforce Slash Island Records So Well Johnny Z Love happening They were right. on, on Megaforce Which is I think why They got to know Metallica originally
1: Well Metallica Crashed in their Rehearsal space
2: right. When they were Making Killing Them All Yeah Loaned them, loaned them gear When all that Gear got stolen Yeah um, uh, this record uh, it reached number 18 in the UK and number 62 on the US uh, Billboard Top. That's 200. pretty good. That's pretty good for a thrash metal record in the mid 80s. Is this their most famous record? This is their I, this is their most famous record. I would say. Yeah. So this is maybe Persistence per of Time got pretty popular in the early 90s with the uh, the song Got the Time, mm-hmm. which is a Joe Jackson cover. Goth um, of time. Got the time. Oh, you know that song. Uh, Goth uh, of time. Got the time. Tick tick ticking in my head. Time tick, tick the time. Tick tick ticking in my head. Uh, Took it in my head? Really? No, I don't know that. Anyways, that's okay. Uh, The record was certified gold, and we talked about this a little before we started recording, but I know Clint's going to be stoked on this. This record is produced and engineered by Eddie Kramer.
1: Right, which Eddie Kramer famously did Rock and Roll Over by Kiss. I think he did Love Gun. I mean, he he famously engineered and put together Kiss Alive.
2: He did Alive 1, 2, and 3. Yeah, Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun. Um, And Kiss Alive, I mean,
1: that's just, it's one of the most famous live records of all time. It's Kiss's most popular record. And uh, he also did Hendrix. Yeah, I mean, he, he did he Zeppelin. Was a, he was a
2: part of all of Jimi Hendrix's records. Maxis Bold is Love. Uh, the Maxis. <laughs> it's like you said Maximus. Maxis. Maximus Bold is Love. Are <laughs> You um, Experienced, Electric Ladyland. Um, he was an engineer on Led Zeppelin two. Houses of the Holy, Physical Graffiti. Holy shit. I mean, the dude is, I mean, he's a monster in the engineering and producing world. There's no question there. Um, and this is a great quote from Scott Ian uh, on Eddie Kramer. Uh, he said, When Eddie uh, said yes to us, it was a total head fuck. Um, he said, uh, And what was more incredible still was when our record label responded by, uh, to my throwaway suggestion that we mix in the Bahamas. Um, he said, I-, "I only said that because Iron Maiden had worked there, and famously, Steve Harris lives down
1: there." Yeah, I mean, he only said that because Iron Maiden worked there, and also, how about six weeks vacation in the fucking Bahamas? Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, I guess I got to mix my record now in the Bahamas. Oh, uh,
2: bummer, crap. But he probably thought uh, the label's not going to go for this, and they did. So that's awesome. That's great.
1: Yeah. Well, because I guess what I guess what he's assuming is that
2: Eddie Kramer would be too expensive, right? Like there's no way he's gonna say yes to this, and then he did.
1: What were their first two records called?
2: Uh, Fistful of Metal and Um, Armed and Dangerous, I think.
1: So maybe Eddie Kramer was on his radar, and like you know, the thrash metal thing was blowing up. Metallica right. had made puppets, and Slayer had made Rain and Blood, and maybe his manager was like, "Dude, this this is a really cool thrash metal band, and yeah, some cool get a to get involved it. in." Right. Yeah,
2: kind of you know a bit a bit on the forefront. I mean, the thrash metal thing had already started, but you know, at this point, this is this might be. Around the heyday of thrash metal, you know, you have puppets already out, they're doing this. Uh, the following year, in the same year, State of Euphoria would come out and Injustice for All. So big time for thrash metal. So he, you know, Eddie Kramer probably was like, let's, you know, I'll jump on this. Right. So thanks, Eddie. Uh, a couple of facts about the What record. was that accent? I said thanks Eddie I was trying to do a British accent
1: (laughs) It's like the thanks is British And then the Eddie is just Thanks Eddie It's like you lost your will To do the accent Halfway through that (laughs) I lost my British will Halfway through that Two word sentence (laughs) Thanks Eddie
2: I thanks Eddie It was just like Absolutely dispirited It kind of was My apologies to our UK fans (laughs) (laughs) Forgive my lack of commitment there Uh, a couple of facts about the record: um, the album was dedicated to their friend Cliff Burton. Ooh, never heard of. So him. this is, yeah, it, I think he was a cellist or something. Yeah, he was a cello player. Yeah, um, but pretty cool. I mean, this is a year after he passed away that this record was released. And well, um, and Cliff, you know, the tour that Cliff passed away on was a tour with Anthrax. With a, yeah, exactly. So I mean, those dudes were there through all this stuff. I do
1: so. love that story that Scotty tells about on that tour. Uh, like before Anthrax would go on, like Cliff would go check out the crowd and he would come in to try to get them excited to go kick ass, he would say, weakness is emanating from the crowd. <laughs> to tell them to basically go in there and try to kick ass. Yeah, totally.
2: Know? That's awesome. Um, the cover art was by an illustrator and painter named uh, Don Brodegam. that sound right?
1: Hello, it's me, Don Brodegam.
2: Don Brodegam.
1: It was the butler in the library,
2: in the, li- <laughs> in the library with the candlestick. The library. The Library, which is located in Nevada. Oh. Um, there's some cool facts about a lot of the songs in this record. Um, I Am the Law is a tribute to the comic book hero Judge Dredd. This is one of the Nerd alert that, Nerd Alert. Uh that I love about Anthrax. They they were way less serious than a Slayer or even Metallica back then, uh, or definitely Megadeth.
1: Slayer has no humor. There there's is no humor. no humor within anything Slayer no, uh, related.
2: Only time you'll 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 see laughter is uh, Tom Araya interview because I feel like he can't hold a straight face. He's always laughing.
1: It does seem like he's always a little bit in, in on the joke. Yeah, totally. But Kerry King, nope, no, he, no. Be- he believes it when he's at Home Depot buying the the the, the eight hundred chains that he wears. Right. He really believes in all that. Someone's like,
2: <laughs> "A lot of chains there, pal," and he just doesn't even respond. <laughs> I don't think Kerry King has muscles in his face to create a smile. No,
1: he's just reading the Book of Satan. Uh, he's, re- he's reading the <laughs> Satanic Bible with nothing but a straight face, yeah. uh, he's carving a pentagram into his hand,
2: it, et cetera. Always, geez. who He does it all the time. Um, but one thing I like about Anthrax is that they, they were kind of goofy. They had s- some silly songs. I mean, they did... Uh, do you know the song I'm the Man? They, I, they, I know
1: that's Scuddian's
2: book. Yeah, that's, that was the name of his book. They did an EP called I'm the Man where they did a hip-hop song. They were one of the early... Outside of Run-DMC and Aerosmith, they were one of the early bands to blend metal and rap. Uh, and they... Famously did um, uh oh my god Why am I blanking uh, They teamed up with Public Enemy And did Bring the Noise Wow Which is rad um, That uh, Bring the Noise was on a Mid to late 80s uh, Public Enemy record Then they re-recorded it With Public Enemy And Scott Even, even uh, Ian Even does a verse Scott Even does, Scott a verse. does a verse Scott Even does a verse Scott Ian, Ian does a verse Scott Even does a verse Scott Even does a verse Gina and Tina Jean And Tina,
1: Tommy And yeah.
2: Donnie and Johnny Do a verse Donnie and Johnny Um <laughs> What is this elfin? What is this <laughs> evil Nick of Uh So this was a, a a common thing in a few Anthrax records where it was just this kind of jokey thing where, uh, like this one uh, NFL, it, mean, it means nice fucking life. But they but they say it backwards. They had one that was like they released like a, a live live video, a concert, or whatever, and, and it was called nice fucking video. They had a few moments in their career where they had things like this, and this is on this record. Uh, but yeah, evil Nick of Okay, it means nice fucking life. Uh, but. In all seriousness, the song is about comedian John Belushi's drug addiction and death. Wow. Uh, Skeleton in the Closet, inspired by Stephen King's novella, Apt Pupil.
1: Mm, did you read that? I did not. Pretty good. They, yeah. they ended up making a film of it with uh, Ian McKellen. Oh, cool. It was about a Nazi, uh, p- obviously post-World War II, but a, a, an old Nazi, he became a teacher. Okay. And he had a student, but he was obviously this latent yeah. uh, Jewish-hating Nazi. So Crazy. Yeah.
2: Uh, well, you'll also like this next one. Among the Living, the song, the title track, is based on Stephen King's novel, The Stand. Wow. The walking dude is Randall Flagg, the character in The Stand.
1: Yeah, well, Randall Flagg, for those of you Stephen King accolades, Randall Flagg makes appearances. There's basically a Stephen King universe. Okay. So like in another novel called Eyes of the Dragon, the the villain, the, the sort of... Uh, the uh, evil um, advisor to the king is Randall Flagg. So he's this ancient being. He's basically the devil. Okay. I believe he's in Needful Things. Uh, Randall Flagg, is anyone who's read the Dark Tower series, will know that that's a big piece of it. So these dudes were Stephen King fans. They were
2: literary. Yeah, I mean, mean, if you watch the anthrax behind the music, at one point, Scott talking about, you know, we'd be at a festival with all these other metal bands where everyone's getting fucked up, and we're backstage reading comic books. Like, Hmm. they were just into, like, they were just weren't, they didn't party like crazy. They never went through like these crazy drug phases. They were just like, they were into novels and comics and like different art and stuff like that. So, it'd be, it'd be kind of cool for a, a thrash metal band that ended up becoming one of the big four to not really be what the other three were, which was really dark. Right. You well, know, there, there's some dark content they sing about. Sure. But they weren't like, they weren't, a, they weren't Carrie King. They weren't Dave Mustaine, you know? Right.
1: I didn't read comics. <laughs> I didn't learn to read till I was
2: 46 years
1: old. <laughs> <laughs> nice, story. nice story I never Ed read Rex. it Because I can't read um, I'm going have to have Scott Ian Dictate the whole story to me Even if it's a nice story yeah, But this, I couldn't read it is
2: this Judge Dread Doesn't sound pretty nice Sounds like a psychotron Judge, <laughs> <laughs> Judd Dredd
1: sounds like a high speed dirt to me. His brain was like the brain of a robot. Sometimes I'm late at night in my bed, I wish I could spell robot. <laughs> but I can't. But, read. I, but I never
2: learned to read. <laughs> so, a couple uh, little last facts here uh, as far as the importance of this record. Um, the um, magazine Revolver placed this album on its 14th Rash Records You Need to Own list. Uh, The album is also in in, Why 14? I don't know Why 14? Why not
1: 15 or 10?
2: Or 20 or whatever Okay Come on 14? Fair enough Um, The album is also included in the book 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die Um, In 2005 Mug Living was inducted into the Decibel Magazine Hall of Fame And lastly Rolling Stone ranked Mug Living as 20th On their list of the 100 Greatest Metal Albums of All Time That's cool a lot of uh, a lot of build up for this for you, Clint, for listening to it for your first time. Yeah, my my whole like, I just keep thinking like, you list all those accolades. I'm like, we'll see, we'll see. I know you're thinking that. So a few quick personal notes about this record. It like I said before, it's my favorite Antex record. I have it on vinyl, as we saw here. Um, Charlie Benante is easily, I think, my favorite drummer of the four big four drummers. Um, I think obviously Lars wrote more iconic parts. I think as a skilled musician. He can play as fast as Dave Lombardo, but I think you're going to find out and notice that he doesn't do... He'll do crazy, awesome fills, but it's not like every eight bars. Remember we talked about that on the Slayer episode where it was like he just keeps... There's too many fills. Oh, yeah. So Charlie will... I mean, he'll just hold it down fast thrash beat until it's chorus time. Then it's a fill into the chorus.
1: He seems to me also, other than Scott Ian, to be the more vocal band member. Like He's the guy you see in interviews. And one of the things that, as a sort of casual guy... Uh, a Casual anthrax guy Is I've always appreciated That those dudes seem to have A lot of sense of humor Yeah And he always like He's always the guy That like hamming it up mm-hmm. Does that sound accurate? Yeah yeah
2: He definitely does I mean I think a lot of those dudes do And Frank Bellow The bass player Who is actually Charlie's nephew Okay um, No they're a family band they're, like, they're basically the Jacksons They're like the Osmonds Yeah yeah, Totally Yeah <laughs> But, no, Charlie's, you know, like, speaking of Star Wars from earlier, like, Star- he's a huge Star Wars fan. Big, he goes to Comic-Con all the time, all that stuff. Nerd like they're alert. big nerds. Nerd alert. Which I love. Um, love it. Love it. He probably knew what the fucking machete sequence was. I for sure does. He probably has his own machete sequence. I think that's the whole deal with the machete sequence is You you kind of make your own. Oh, really? I could be wrong. I don't know. That, from just the quick... Paraphrasing, I was doing while you were talking. It seems that way. Okay. There's a few suggestions on what we're going to get.
1: So many fucking emails. I know.
2: Don't email us about that. Um, if you email us about that, I'm just going to do machete emails and I'm just going to read them in the order I want. If you
1: email us about the machete sequence, I'm going to forward it to Charles Benante.
2: Exactly. How do you say his last name? Benante. Benante. Got it right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm cultured. Yeah. I can say shit. Effete. Hello. You're so effete. Nevada. Hello. (laughs) These days, Nevada. Um. The only thing I would say uh, is, if someone is not into Anthrax, it could be because of Joey Belladonna's voice. But it's not like Mustaine, where it's like, okay, I can't hang. He's just a high singer, you know. Obviously, very influenced probably by the new wave of British heavy metal. Like he sings a lot higher than a Hetfield or a, right. um, <clears throat> Tom O'Reilly. like a Diamond Head type high stuff. Show yeah, on some stuff. stuff, yeah. But but they, uh, you can tell they were probably into like you know New York hardcore back then. There's a lot of gang vocals on this kind of stuff. Um, all over this record so with that being said those are my kind of quick personal thoughts before we dive into it because i'm just excited to see you listen to among the living
1: well we're going to just listen to it together and we may stop and start here and yeah. uh, we're going to read the lyrics together and we're just uh, this, this is exciting this is the first time i've ever heard right. it I'm, I'm ready all right well here we go here uh among the living's the first track right yep ominous intro yeah
0: I hate my dad
2: uh, I like it Great, I mean Easily some of my favorite riffs with the big four And I'm pretty sure that Joey the Singer Isn't the main lyric writer here I think it's, I think it's Scott and Charlie it says it's set in a post-apocalyptic 1980. I love how present the bass is.
1: Directly references the second album, Spreading the Disease. So that was your oh, yeah. second
2: oh, oh Spray the Disease was you're right Armed and Dangerous was an EP yeah the second record, was Spray the Disease and for some reason that's the first lyric of the whole record on this oh we're about to get fucking fast here wow Charlie's a badass
1: that's not a double kick that's Dire's Eve yeah <laughs> uh, all right, right, just pause for a second Okay So I'm reading, I'm on GeniusLyrics.com uh, It says, it's the. Sum- this is setting the scene Is this okay. like a concept
2: record? Uh Oh, I mean, there's a lot of deep stuff on here I mean, we're talking about Stephen King novels and stuff like it that It says, it's
1: the summer of 1980 And a biological weapon called Captain Trips Has been released by the U.S. military The spread of this disease kills more than 99% of the world's population
2: Whoa, sounds like some insane shit right here Captain
1: Trips a highly mm-hmm. potent influenza strain released as a biological weapon by the U.S. military has been nicknamed Captain Trips.
0: Wow. Okay. That's heavy. Oh.
1: I mean, let's launch back in. I'm sorry. sort to interrupted. No, that that's positive? okay. I was okay. reading that anecdote. I'm like, wow. Okay.
0: Yeah.
2: It's funny in a metal song to hear the word dude. <laughs> <clears throat> that kick drum, dude. <laughs> I mean how you feeling so far clint vocals are pretty rough like not your we could use a little bit of reverb it could use some reverb yeah i mean take it up with eddie kramer
1: touche hey look i gave desmond
2: child songwriting advice today i could give eddie kramer production (laughs) advice that's true
1: now, is this Scotty and do all the leads? Or? Uh, no,
2: on this, uh, most of the career, there's a guy named Dan Spitz. He's not in the band anymore. But the other four dudes on this record are still in the band. That's cool. He was a great lead player. I would take his leads over Kerry King's any day. Kerry King's leads are awful. You're not going to like this vocal pry right here. Now, vocally, are you thinking like you're not into it because maybe it needs more sauce on it? Or just. That's what I'm saying. Like, a lot of people maybe to turn off my Anthrax because of his vocals. I mean, it
1: sounds like Getty Lee mixed with Bruce Dickinson. Right.
2: It's a lot of Getty Lee in there. I never thought about that, but you're kind of right. Now, I mean, technically, he is a very gifted singer. I mean,. Uh, I follow Anthrax on social media, and they, and I mean that dude will go to baseball games and sing the national anthem and like kill it. So I'm saying technically he is a good singer. It is a wonderful cover of "When a Man Loves a Woman." He does. You can hear Scotty in there.
1: <laughs> wow. Uh, my my takeaway. Well, my takeaway here musically, it's just
2: a powerhouse. Yeah. Lyrically and vocal wise, it's, right? It's not easy. I mean, I, I, I totally get what you're saying, but uh, musically though, I mean, you can't really fuck with that. I mean, those guys are some players. Absolutely, the riffs are great. Great leads. This is Caught in a Mosh. Caught in a Mosh ranked number
1: twenty nine on VH1's Top Forty Greatest Metal Songs list. This is a very popular Anthrax song. Details Scott Ian's frustration with different situations, likened to being stuck in the most metal of situations, the mosh pit. Great, the, r- great riff right there. The inspiration for the song came from an instance when Ian's guitar tech injured his back in a mosh pit. When asked what happened, he replied, "I got caught in a mosh." Yep. Some very literal songwriting.
2: That, that verse riff I love. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't
0: gonna live my life this way. Stop, stop, stop.
1: The Idiot Convention. I like that.
0: Oh, caught in a mosh.
2: Wow what a sick burn Talking to you is like clapping with one hand Yeah face So the gang vocal thing is very much Scotty Ian's thing You know He's got this big powerful gang vocal voice See how Charlie's just like holding down the beat No crazy fills Not until the next part comes up Here we go Hell yeah He's a badass can still play like that. I saw them a few years ago at a festival in Europe, and he's still a monster. Where does Caught in Amash usually sit in a set list? Uh, probably towards, I would imagine towards the end, or maybe an opener. I don't know. It's one of their bigger songs. I feel like thematically it's a great mid-set. Yeah. Caught in Amash. Caught in Amash.
1: You're amidst, you're amidst what is Amash. It? Well, Amash is just a metaphor. Just a metaphor. It's for you life. you got a lot of homework. Yeah. Caught in a marsh. Your, bo- your boss is on your back on your case. Yeah. Eh, caught in a marsh. Caught in a marsh, man. Not to be confused with the uh, famous Swamp song, Caught in a Marsh. That's right. Everyone knows that one. Or the great Bug Zapper song, Caught Caught Me a Moth. Caught me, caught, caught me a moth. <laughs>
2: Killer O Yeah Ah. He holds it forever (laughs) Double track solo Yeah There's a lot of that on here Double track solos are a jam, dude They're cool, man This is a great little uh, melody here
1: That's badass. Yeah.
2: Holy shit. I'd be really curious on another uh, Explore the Big Four to listen to Sound of White Noise, which is when they got a different singer, John Bush.
1: I think John Bush is a much better
2: singer. Very different. Whoa. I can't even like fathom how to do the shit he does on drums. Hey, man. Hey, dude. Hey, dude. Is this Psychotron? Are we... Imagine little Ethan Luck, 10, 11, 12 years old, skateboarding around Southern California. Listen to this. It was the best. There was a perfect amount of like angst in it and goofiness. Like, you know what? I ain't going to live my life this way. That's right. You know what? You know what, Mom? I'm caught in a mosh with you. little bass bar here they're all such good players man i love listening to this record let me ask you this clint yes aside from your thoughts on the vocals and lyrics so far are are you way more into this than when we listen to megadeth
1: no, I liked Megadeth more. Really? Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, we did listen to Countdown to Extinction, a little more. Uh, not as, not really a thrashy record.
1: Yeah, I mean that's generally considered the best. Other than Rust in Peace, Rust that's and considered peace, yeah. the best Megadeth record. Right, but yeah. this is considered the best Anthrax record. Um, amongst a lot of people, yeah. I mean, I can definitely see how. I can definitely see how you could really love this shit when you're a kid. Yeah. Well, when you're a kid. Yeah. When you're a kid, just especially if you're like wanting to be outside and wanting to be skating, being active, it's yeah. just you're just putting it on for the energy right. and the aggression. Very active. You're music. not thinking about the lyrics. It's not, you know, like I think I think as we listen to these records, what obviously pokes out to me is like why Metallica pulls so far ahead. Agreed. Yeah. In the big four, it's because you you can analyze Metallica. Yeah. It's not like, like even when they write shit that's like based on uh, the Ten Commandments, like mm-hmm. Creeping Death or. Right. A Hemingway, for whom the bell tolls, or when they make these long, brooding instrumentals based on H.P. Lovecraft, you can sort of get inside it more in a more timeless way. This definitely feels like sillier.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely a little bit sillier. But what what I do appreciate about Anthrax is they didn't really hide that silliness. Yeah, they weren't trying to be serious, and it came off silly. I mean, I like it. I mean, musically, it's dope. It's super, no doubt. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to be
1: a jerk about the lead singer guy. Yeah, and these are Scott Ian's lyrics, right? Uh, from what I understand, it's mostly Scott
2: uh, and and uh, Charlie that write the lyrics.
1: Right. And you got Kerry King writing a lot of the Slayer shit. I do think it's hard to pull off, unless you're Elton John, mm-hmm. it is hard to pull off being an enigmatic frontman without writing your own material. Right. Well, I mean, Getty Lee didn't write most of his lyrics. Well, and that's why you get Bytar and the Snow Dogs. <laughs> that's
0: <laughs> Bite and the snow I, mean,
1: I mean, Rush also made it work because Neil Pert wrote a bunch of sort of insane medieval Dungeons and Dragons poetry. Right. Yeah. But Neil Pert is also sort of an intellectual. Yeah. Not that Scott Ian's not. But sure. You know, Kerry King definitely is not.
2: But you definitely uh, on with Anthrax lyrics. I mean, you definitely have that mix of like I'm reading this amazing novel and I'm also reading Judge Dredd, Com- right? The comic, book, right? You know, so there is that that line they're on of, like, really intellectual stuff and sometimes kind of goofy stuff. And it's true. I mean, like, face it, like, Metallica was never going to,
1: at least lyrically, never going to relate to the comic book crowd. Right. But um, it does explain why maybe Kirk in particular had an affinity for them because Kirk Hammond is a comic book super nerd. Yeah. So, you know, they're bringing them on tour. They're hanging out with them and watching them play a show in New York while they're crashing with Johnny Z. Yeah. And, you know, Kirk Hammond's guy would understand the Judge Dredd references yeah.
2: well and I'd imagine back then too musically they probably you know they're like coming up to New York maybe playing shows with Anthrax doing Kill em All and if you didn't know their music yet you watch them live and you're like oh my god these guys are so fucking fast yeah, super tight they're all insane musicians and they're probably like damn we gotta get that good too you know
1: well I could definitely see Lars hearing the song
2: Among the Living and thinking about that during
1: Dire's Eve it right. was like that double kick in that verse was that fast yeah
2: yeah, there's actually a part on the next record, State of Euphoria, uh, which we can we do another time, where there's straight up, and I don't think it was intentional, because they recorded that and Injustice for All around the same time. Mm-hmm. On City of Euphoria, there's a... Oh, shit. It's crazy. I remember hearing that going like, that's like... What? And what, what predates what? Uh, State of Euphoria came out... A few months after Injustice for All. Okay, but uh, I haven't just looked up the exact dates when they recorded.
1: it. I wonder if they were tight enough to be sharing demos.
2: Maybe so. That'd be a, that'd be an interesting question if you could sit Lars down. I mean, yeah. amongst other things to ask him. But like, hey, this part on State of Euphoria, like when it came out, were you like, hey, that's one.
1: Yeah or maybe maybe him and Charlie were close enough to where when they landed on that riff. He was like, "Dude, you got to hear this fucking sick machine gun thing." Right, yeah. You know, that all bleeds in and yeah. your influences bleed in. It's what your buddies are doing and
2: Yeah, who knows.
1: Uh moving on to I Am The Law. Anything it's the one about Gen-
2: Judge Dread? Oh, here we go. Yeah.
1: The, of course, predating Sylvester Stallone's Judge Dread, which is a masterpiece. Did you see the uh Colin Farrell one? I didn't see either of them actually. What? I didn't watch Judge Dread. What? I've never even read the comic book, and I watch both.
2: Really? Yeah. Well, maybe that's my homework for the week.
1: I'll, I mean, let me tell you something. I'll watch anything Sylvester Stallone
2: is in. I will too. I just, he, I just happen to not see. that. What's wrong with him in any way? Nothing. He is. He is great. Nothing. He's about to release Rambo Five. Come on. Uh, it's, now,
1: having said all this, oh, uh, I don't want to see seventy-five-year-old <laughs> Rambo, man.
2: He's seventy-one. Um, for the most part, I'm. I'm down we already for did a new. Movie. We already did a new Rambo. When was that? That was. It's probably like eight years ago now. Yeah, we already did that. We already did yeah. old Rambo. We did. This is apparently the last one. But
1: they're gonna kill him. I bet you. They, I bet you they kill him. I
2: bet they do too. But do I'm down for most Stallone movies. I mean, dude, uh, Copland. Are you kidding me? Love great, Copland. Great movie. Love Copland. Awesome movie. Um, of course, you know, everyone knows I'm down for the Rocky movies. Yeah. Um, I even watched that one that was. It looked terrible. It was, and it wasn't even a Rocky themed movie, but it was him and De Niro, and they were old boxers. They get back in the ring together. What was it called? Mm, um, I didn't see that. Ah, oh, shoot. What was it called? It was actually pretty funny. But the whole time I'm thinking, like, he's just Rocky in this. So he's but a boxer. Uh, like, uh, you couldn't pick another sport? You're talking about Creed. <laughs> it's not even Creed. I'm telling you. Let's move on and I'll, I'll remember the name of it.
1: Did you see the movie he did with, Um, I think it's Arnold Schwarzenegger called Escape Plan? Escape Plan. That was fun. They made a sequel. Yeah. Uh, dude, the Expendables, Expendables were fun movies. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah. They're not good, but they're fun.
2: They're fun. I want, you know what? I want some fun
1: What's the one in, Like Don't Throw Mama From the Train Or something or?
2: Don't Throw Mama From the Train Yeah um, uh, What was the one um, I keep thinking Turner and Hooch But that's Tom Hanks That's um, Tom Hanks
1: For sure You're talking like A, co- a buddy cop movie It was a
2: buddy cop I can't remember But well, you know, we'll save it For the Stallone episode Okay
1: <laughs> Next we've got I Am The Law The Judge Dredd film uh, Or Judge Dredd comic book reference Here we go I Am The Law
2: That's one of my favorite Riffs on this record the guitar sound awesome yeah
1: man I'm reading the origins of this narrative and you're loving it it's so silly
2: That bass is hot. It's super hot. Yeah. It's weird because it doesn't it not sound like he's playing with a pick? Yes, he doesn't. Not live. He's all fingers live.
1: Definitely sounds like a pick.
2: Yeah, maybe just for for the record's sake, he did that. But live, he plays with his fingers. And he's a badass bass Bum, player.
1: Ba-da-dum-bum. I love the
2: music. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, All the YouTubers get to see Clint's reaction, his facial reactions. So it's it's a very unsubtle reference to Judge Dredd. Very unsubtle.
1: They call him Judge. His last name is Dredd. Holy shit.
2: They call him Sylvester. His last name is Stallone. Wow.
1: Oh, because Dredd and Anderson won the fight. Who's they, Anderson? I don't know. <laughs> oh, Judge Cassandra Anderson. rocket.
2: Can't wait for the bridge you to can't hit can fuck with Mega City, man Hell no
1: They say his name like 37 times in this I know. song know, it's a lot Dirty Window
2: Get up there, Joey I know when I hung out with Sarah Sobek recently uh up in New York, they're cartoons. huge anthrax fans. They are, but they're I know par- Pete is. they're playing friends with Joey. Yeah. They've like hung out with him and stuff, said he's super cool.
1: You just reminded me that Sarah and Pete are huge anthrax fans. Yeah. And I'm making fun of it. I'm you, sorry, Sarah. No, you
2: Okay. Alright, this bridge, dude. Turn this shit up. Okay. That's some fast shit right there.
0: It's a
1: fast right hand. Your ISO cube is waiting when he brings you in. Never read Judge Dredd. I don't know what an ISO Cube is. I imagine it's a futuristic jail cell. Yeah. In Mega City. Mega City. I'm learning a lot from this song.
2: I love it. I feel like Charlie Benante is the one drummer that could fill in for any of the big four bands and just nail it. (laughs) <laughs> Slowing down the old tempo. They do a lot of tempo changes, which I, I I really dig. That's hard to pull off. Yeah.
1: Like mid-song. Right. Without some big diamond or stop. Yep, totally. A little maniacal laughter. Yeah. I never shy away from that.
2: Ooh, a little little side note about this riff right here. Uh, when I was out with Kings and I was line checking right before a festival, that's the one that's Anthrax at. Scott Ian was side stage. I didn't know it, and I started playing this riff to check the guitar. And I put the guitar and I walk off stage, and there's Scott Ian. I was like, oh, I just played <laughs> I just played on the lawn in front of Scott Ian. What did he say? Didn't say anything. I, I I I'm sure he noticed, but I kind of walked off and like noticed him real quick. But I didn't notice his reaction. Well,
1: he had to run away and change his diaper because he made his day and he shit his pants. Hell yeah. Okay. Well, I've learned a lot about Judge Dredd. Yeah, you did. Um, well, Let's go over some of the facts we've just learned. Okay. He spent 15 years in the academy, but he it, they fast-tracked him because he was, as the song says, like no cadet they'd ever seen. It's crazy. And, you know, his veins bleed ice, and when he says shit, he means it. He does not have to speak it twice. Now this is what I didn't know. His they call him Judge Judge Dread. That was the new fact for me.
2: Well, his last name is Dread. But
1: they tell us uh, you break law, you might wind up dead. Now I love in verse two. They jump into some very deep specifics. Yeah, some deep shit here. Um, it says because Dread and Anderson they won the fight when the Soves started the apocalypse war. Mega City it was bombed to the floor. The Soves, huh?
2: The, the SovTechs. The so- oh, really? The SovTech amplifiers, yeah.
1: Oh, wow. That's a shame. Respect the badge. He earned it with his blood. Fear the gun. Your sentence may be death because I'm the law and you won't fuck around no more. I'm the law. I judge the rich. I judge the poor. Hey, hey, everybody. Con- continue. No one's safe. Commit a crime and I'll lock the door because in Mega City I'm the fucking motherfucking law. I had to <laughs> emphasis mine. You have to. Wow. Um, your ISO cube is waiting when he brings you in. Now that's... If that's that'll keep you from loitering and littering and jaywalking. If and it'll anything, definitely well. keep me from
2: lo- uh, loitering. Uh, what's up next, Ethan? What, what do we have to look forward to here? Uh, what's one, the next one? is NFL. Think, yeah, even the confession. Well, uh, everyone. So this is the one that is about John, the life of John Belushi and his drug addiction and death. All right. Crunchy. You love it musically. I know you do. I absolutely love it. You would love an instrumental version of
1: this record. I would love to write some Lunar Satan lyrics over all this shit. It's just so like... Here, let me pause it. It's so like, lyrically like, let's just tell the exact story the way it happened. It started back in high school. So cool. King of the scene. You found that making people laugh was more than just a dream. It's just not... They're like It's just very plainly Sure I, I see that He spent 15 years In the academy But he was like No cadet they'd ever seen
2: They called him judge His last name was Drake. You know what I mean like, yeah, it's like, I see what you're saying It's like a, 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 they're, they're matter of fact lyrics It's like Let's dress it up a little more We're, t- we're right. Let's tell a story That's riveting
1: They're like The sun was shining It was a day like no other Except like every other day The planet was spinning I'm wearing shoes There's
2: air in the air um, Back to the song <laughs> Love those
0: harmonies. Back in high
2: okay. I do love this chorus. I like the, I just like the melody and the and the music. Pre-chorus, I guess. Evil Nick Felsen. It's very punk rock. It, yeah, definitely. That's another thing I always loved. With Anthrax is Scott and kind of brings that punk rock, you know, vibe to the to the records. I like this. Da 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 go.
0: Yeah, the band
1: alliteration. I like it. Dig your daily ditch. There you go. It's very guarish too. This reminds me a lot of like late 80s guar.
0: Yeah.
1: Surprise this never came to the official theme song of the NFL, the National Football League. That would have been awesome. Well, the whole wake up and apply but apply would succeed from the rest of your life. That's tough right. to sell to Yeah. The NFL commissioner. I Understand that. base that he's got to be playing with a pick actually that kind of sounds like a finger could be this still here nice
2: a fun show to go see yeah and a neat shirt to have such a neat shirt I've got five of them I do love uh, Dan Spitz the lead player I do love that he has melodic solos absolutely like Harry King's just this
1: is way better than that yeah It sounds like Ghost. Yeah. So when they say, someone should have said, nice fucking life,
2: where are they coming from with that? that? What does that, that mean? That's, I was very curious about that just instantly. Someone should have said, nice fucking life? Like someone said, maybe someone should have said, hey, my friend, please slow down. It just seems like weird. Like someone should have said, look, you have a nice life. Maybe, that, yeah. You're a successful comedian. Uh,
1: people adore you. You don't have to throw it all away to a life of uh, drug addiction. And, right. Uh, but then at the end he says, and when you can't see your own dependency,
2: nice fucking life. Yeah, maybe a little a bit of a double meaning there. The message does... is a little obscured. It is. It's obscured uh, to l- me. Let's call Scott Ian real quick. <laughs> hey! That answers the phone like a gang vocal? Yeah. This is
0: Scott. Yeah. And LFL yeah. is on TV. You've, called, you've reached Scott. I like the New York Jets. <laughs> Motherfucker!
1: Alright, well that was uh Elf funkenste how do you say it? Elfen funkenstein? <laughs> it's like uh it's, e- e- it's evil Fessin. It's like rumple stiltskin and leprechaun meat. Right. To sing about drugs. Okay, moving on to a skeleton in the motherfucking closet, which was uh, what was that one this based was, on? This was
2: uh the Stephen King uh, another
1: Stephen it? King one?
2: Where'd it go? Uh this was the Stephen King one, uh uh Apt People.
1: Oh, okay, apt people, that's right. Okay. Well, let's hear skeleton in the old closette.
2: Hardwired. Hey.
1: Or do unto others by fire. Yeah.
2: That's fast, man. That, that, that burns the right wrist. Ace here. It's super fast. Musically this is awesome. Yeah. Another thing I do love about Anthrax regardless of about how you feel about Joey's voice is that they have hooks like lyrically you may not dig it. They're hooky. They're very hooky. Like Slayer doesn't have a lot of hooky stuff to me. There's some stuff where this, they still have choruses. They still have melodic guitar, little you know, solos and medley, stuff like that. Um, that's why I like them a lot. You know, there's, there's stuff I could sing along to, you know, that it's very memorable. And I just, I, I just think, to it. I, I think all that's true. And I know that you're,
1: Melodically sensible person, I think you like it a lot because you liked it when you were a kid.
2: Oh no, I, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, from the time I was a kid, or when I first discovered Anthrax, in like junior high, probably till now, like I never stopped listening to it When you're you a know? kid, you
1: just you have this great buffer
2: of silliness. You don't the right. silliness doesn't matter, right? I fully acknowledge it now, and I see it even more clearly because you know I'm 40 years old, and I see that like some of the lyrics are cheesy, and uh, you know I don't know. I just I have a soft spot in my heart for Th- this band especially this record they even say apt pupil in the lyric yeah
1: <laughs> they're like we don't want anyone to not get it we're right. deep we just read. In case. Yeah. we read yeah
0: this is based on a novel by Stephen King
2: <laughs> <laughs> have you read it
0: have you read it have you read it
2: there's a really cool crazy bass little little quick section it's not a bass solo but it's a little transitional part right here Hell yeah. It's kind of rad. What's this bass player's name? Frank Bello.
1: It's dope.
2: Wow. Great solo. Dan Spitz is now a watchmaker. He makes like high-end watches. That is one of the most depressing
1: things that I've ever heard. It's cool. Hell yeah! It sounds like Primal Concrete Sledge a little bit too. Yeah. Some like Cowboys from Hell. All this this predates Cowboys from Hell. Yeah. So maybe those dudes were listening to Anthrax. Maybe so, yeah.
2: One thing that I, I for some reason now am noticing is that they don't, they don't drag on parts for too long. You know, some like Slayer stuff where it's like the same riff for like in a minute straight. Like they, they kind of get to the point on a lot of stuff. Yeah, none of these songs have been super long. The whole record's like 50 minutes, I think. You could almost make a new genre for them called like comic metal or something Judge Dread metal. Yeah. They call him Heavy, his last name is Metal.
0: Wap wap! all, man!
1: This is the best vocal of the record so far.
2: Yeah. I feel like his vocal, vocally, he he, technique wise, got even better after this record.
1: <laughs> As you say that, that was the Vince Neil.
0: Look out!
1: He doubled down on that. Yeah. Oh, more maniacal after. Well, it's clear that other big four bands were hearing this in at least musically
2: like, holy yeah. shit. This is another this is another really big song by them called Indians. Alright, let's see what Indians is about. I'll bet it's about Indians. Cleveland Indians? That's very maiden
1: so Joey Belladonna's mom is part Native American
2: oh yeah he, he definitely looks Native American
1: said when he first got in the band Charlie used to call him Indian Joe
2: Indian Joe
1: I'm sure he loved that
0: Yeah.
2: We're dissing them. Dissing them, yeah.
1: We're dissing them on reservations, man. That's right. Wow.
2: We're socially conscious here, man. I'm talking about Native Americans getting land so like stolen. Dane,
1: talking about PETA and shit or whatever. The animal treatment. Surprised this wasn't the theme song for Native Americans.
0: <laughs>
2: <really dissing> them. <laughs> I love
1: watching this right now. We're dissing them on reservations.
0: Oh!
1: Did you do it again? Again, right on the nose.
2: Yeah, cry for the Indians. after for the Indians.
1: I wonder how short the conversation was. I'm like, what are we going to call this song?
2: Uh, I don't know. Should we call it "Cry"?
1: We could call it "Dissing Them on the Reservations."
2: Yeah. Ooh, I got I got an idea. Indians. Maybe
1: they call it "Indians" in parentheses, "dissing them on the reservations." That was the working title. I do like the melodies. Yeah, good.
2: That's cool. That makes me happy.
0: What is now?
2: Maybe I'm misreading you, but I feel like you're you're digging this more than Megadeth. I feel like the Megadeth, Mustaine's voice was the biggest like factor.
1: No, the biggest factor is I think Dave Mustaine's an asshole. There's that. too. I like all the people in Anthrax. So right. I want to like it. Right, yeah. And you know what it doesn't feel like to me? Like, musically, it's badass. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like anyone's like, "Mm, look at me. I feel like Mega. is all about Dave and Stan. Right, right, right. Yeah. Because even though Scott Ian's the most famous member of Anthrax, you never feel like he's like, I'm Scott Ian. This is my band. Yeah. Just the fucking chip on Dave's shoulder comes across his work. Right. These dudes don't have a chip. They're just having fun. They're having a good time playing metal. Making art. So who am I to, you know, it's like. Yeah. And every song has bitchin' guitar solos. Yep.
2: Oh, that drum part. Tempo change. I think it's just a repeat of the first verse. Yep. It's correct. Noah. Noah? Ah.
1: So I could probably sing this. They
0: can't fight it. Even though they know how much of lives I are really missing.
1: I mean. this is my favorite song on the record yeah so far awesome the cry for the indians section is not my favorite but it's
2: it's real rad live whole crowd singing it imagine a whole 2000 metalheads yelling cry for the indians yeah i've seen it (laughs) trust me dude it's awesome you've participated in it oh yeah i did i was side stage watching this shit
1: did you have a sin- single tier for the Indians? No, I had multiple mother- tears. Fuck. Oh, multiple tears. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Indians. Well, there we go. This is my favorite A-Track yeah. song so
2: far. Awesome. One world. In a world. In a world where Clint listens to Among the Living. In a world where the Indians have had it
1: with being dissed on the reservations. <laughs> it's a hopeless situation.
2: They have nowhere to turn but to one man. One they world. call him Judge, but his last name is Dredd. <laughs> you guessed it, Judge Dredd. That's a very Steve Harris based on it there. It's good. Yeah, this sounds like Maiden.
1: From the coast of gold to the seven seas. Okay. Hell yeah. Nice. Da-da-da-da-da. A little bit gallop. Yeah. A-da-da. A-da-da. A-da-da.
0: A-da-da.
1: These seem really fun to play. So much fun, yeah. You know a lot of these songs? Uh, yeah.
2: No big deal. M.A.D. NFL. You want to confess
1: You stop it.
2: You stop it, Joey.
0: Stop now!
2: Hey, look at you.
1: I'm still holding the cork, dude.
0: <laughs> what?
2: Is that like a 90s knot? Like, we're counting knots that was one of their big things was the the word not. You gotta listen to some other records. The the word not comes into play. They have this whole chant live. Wow. So they mean it like the 90s not.
1: Now they're doing doing this in the 80s, man. Hey man, I like your haircut. Not. Total fucking schism. It sounds like a mistake.
2: Total schism.
1: This feels like Like they're saying one world and they just saying any phrase <laughs> welcome to it don't abuse it to live out your life total schism tunnel vision taming the beast true he right I tried that not that is unbelievable. Hold on. wait, uh, Hold on. All right. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. So the first half is like one, two, oh, we're counting not. But then three, four, they really up the ante and it's like three, four, die.
2: There, there's an ongoing thing in the anthrax ethos, if you will. The word NOT comes into play a lot. Like so, uh on the on the man EP where they do this hip hop song, the song starts off with this beacon doom not not. That's and fun. That, it's fun. It's it, it's a and like like there's old footage of them playing these shows where they're like holding up signs that say not. They their 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 mascot is just, just a big N O T. No, well kind of well, it's it, they call it the NOT man. <laughs>
1: Jesus
2: <laughs> Christ, you're not making this up. No, I'm not. Oh, I'm not shit. making this up. He's this crazy. I, I have a shirt that's it's Anthrax. It's the Knot Man. <laughs> it's this like crazy looking dude. Oh my god. Yeah. Much like the you know, Iron Maiden has Eddie and uh, Megadeth has Vic Rattlehead, you know they have the Knot Man. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> I, I just love that. I, like, I wish everybody in the world could see. I mean, on YouTube. Well, it's you on YouTube. It. Hi, everybody. Hey. One, two, not <laughs> Three, four, die. I'll everyone. Kill you. everyone on YouTube can see it. Not.
1: Holy shit. All right, back into uh, one world.
0: Welcome to it. Don't I Live out your life.
1: The melodies are good. Yeah, they really are. Hell yeah.
2: Ah, so good.
1: The tone's good too, man. I mean, yeah. This is good tone for '86, totally, in my opinion.
0: Rupin. Rupin. little busy, Joe, Wow,
1: cool drums right there—that
2: snare dub- thing, doubling the kick drum with a snare drum. Yeah, that's so really badass. cool. You don't hear that a
1: lot.
0: No. (laughs) The (laughs) fucking tunnel vision.
2: Adam and Putin is just like us. Come on, Joey.
0: Not. Die?
2: (laughs) (laughs) You thought we were counting. Yeah. Sorry, this is not a children's album.
1: This is Among the Living.
2: (laughs) It's kind of a Sabbathy. Yeah. Sabbathy kind of riff.
1: Impressive Scream. Not. Not. Okay, ADI Medley, The Horror of It All. First
2: appearance of an acoustic guitar.
1: I live my life like this.
0: No tomorrow. (laughs) Night.
2: well-string action happening?
1: Mm. Good night. What does ADI stand for?
2: Uh I don't know actually.
0: ding 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 ding, ding.
2: It's it sounds st- for Arabian douche intro. For real. That's what it says here? Wow. Maybe they mean like it sounds kind of like Arabian music, but it's really douchey for us to do this. I don't know. That's a weird that's weird. Just flat out weird, bro.
1: Doing the hard pan from left to right. You hearing that?
0: Yep. It's
2: a long intro. I feel like this is my least favorite song on the record. Why? I don't know. Why would you say that? There's some great riffs in here and stuff. I don't know. To me, it's the, it's the probably the most uninteresting song uh, I think it's my favorite song on the whole record Already? Not Not
1: <laughs> I mean, it's cool Musically, it's
2: fucking awesome no, musically, it's great You're right
1: ones All right. really interesting phrasing yeah it's weird right
2: I love the music man yeah the fucking rocks it's, it's so oh cool. dude they're great a lot of cool guitar harmonies
1: well just compositionally very interesting
2: nailed it to do a harmony not i'm going to do a harmony in the next one not a lot of lyrics on this song like the ly- it's like few lyrics but they're stretched yeah. that's where the phrasing is super weird yeah i didn't even know that was coming there you go
1: you finished joey's sentence Oh he didn't do it this Man, come on.
0: Yeah Tell me why
1: This is a long song. It is, yeah it's the longest song on the record.
0: Nice
1: I'm not kidding If I had been into this when I was a kid This would be my favorite Because it's like a deep cut Right And it's called the horror of it all Yeah And I like these melodies Sure And I would have felt like it would have been like my cred Like if I was at an Anthrax show in 87 They're like what's your favorite I'm like horror of it all yeah, they didn't even play it tonight. Like, Dude, Lookin that's a very bullshit. unpopular opinion. I don't, like, well, I don't care. Whatever. Right. I'm a I'm a real knothead. <laughs> what do they call their fans? Uh, I don't know actually. Because Slipknot calls their the maggots, but they maggots. Yeah. But they also call it
2: the knot, right? I think so. What would I don't know? what Anthrax fans are called. That bass is tight. That is so hard to do in this kind of music. Well, keep in mind that the drummer and bass player, they're family. They've been playing together forever. It's in their fucking blood. It literally is.
1: So I'm guessing the Arabic douchebag intro, that was that acoustic shit.
2: Yeah. I don't think they're calling people douchebags. I think they maybe it's like a you what? know what they're saying for real what's that that their arabic acoustic intro is a feat it might be a feat pretentious yeah i think you're right nice application of your new word clint
1: you know when you learn a new word you need to say it in like 10 sentences a day that's how you assimilate yeah. it into your vernacular that's right
2: assimilate that's a good one too.
1: assimilate i just used assimilate and vernacular
2: damn you're pretty
1: if you're if you're wanting to improve your verisimilitude what you need to do is you need to assimilate it into your vernacular by saying it 10 times uh a uh, a lunar cycle
2: you're like smart man well it's the horror of it all it really is <laughs> kind
1: of fun whoa so they just took the ending and like put it on a tape echo so horror of it all is my second favorite song on this record after indians okay and now we're rounding it all out with imitation of life which would have been a good title for the record yeah
0: got my first real six string (laughs) Uh, kind of something like that at the five and dime play it until my fingers blend Oh, it was
1: Good on Eddie Kramer for pushing this bass up front. Now. Yeah, I
2: dig it. I've always loved that about this
1: record. Because for all that can be said about no bass on Justice, you can't hear the bass on a lot
2: of Metallica records black there, there's just like a there's a bit of a low end there but there's there's not a lot of clarity on the bass on those maybe on Orion or something Um, but, but Anthrax Records just definitely stands out
1: Ooh. is that Scott Ian right hand stuff mm-hmm. that's badass yeah, yeah. he's the riff writer he's a band. badass player right great
2: rhythm player man I put him, I mean, I put him up there with Hatfield, man. His right hand. You stop it. This is a Metallica podcast. <laughs> How dare you mention James Hetfield. It's real good. Just
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anger burns. You should get some cream for that. You
2: really should.
1: You can get some Preparation H for that if you Preparation are hard Anger. Up.
2: Yeah. This is very much like a kind of metal, but like punk rock, hardcore kind of song. Like the way he's kind of just mouthing through the lyrics. <sighs> That's my free lovey, babe. I hate to say this. I don't like this song, by the way. I've never
1: really cared for this one. I hate to say this. Let's say it. It seems like. Well, the lead singer is a bass player Anyway, oh, No, wait, is, is no just, just a singer It seems like very competent adult musicians Created the music Right And then let a 12-year-old sing over it Okay <laughs> Hey I, I I see what it's, you're saying It's a 12-year-old's poetry And he's the best poet in his class so That's why he got the gig Right But it, nevertheless, he's 12 And he's singing over the music Right
2: I'm sorry, Pete and Sarah don't be sorry, man. This is, you're entitled to your own opinion about this stuff. You've never heard this record before. Uh, but you know me, man. I don't like to just be mean. No, you're not doing it to be mean. This is your gut reaction to first your first time listening to Among the Living. I really am just trying to be honest. And I think our listeners appreciate that. Every
1: solo on this record has been badass. Yeah, totally.
0: Who? What it isn't good for? Absolutely nothing. <laughs>
1: great outro riff wow and that was Anthrax's well, have among the living well we did it um i had a great time
2: i mostly liked it it was a
1: fun ride
2: yeah i this is why when we first started i said like if there's anything i think you might not be into it's the vocals yeah but with that aside Yeah I mean Amazing riffs on this record mm-hmm. Great leads yeah, Insanely good uh, Bass playing Drumming um, I like that Like I said earlier That they On this record They don't sit on one riff For too long Right You know It's just the right, right amount of time Before you get to the next part
1: Yeah It's efficient But it's not like speed metal Where it's like Rain and Blood's like 27 minutes And by the end of it, you're almost like in a good way exhausted. That wasn't exhausting. That was nice. Yeah. It was th- nice. It was nice.
2: That was, th- Another thing I was going to bring up is that I felt way more fatigue after listening to the seasons in the end. Absolutely. This was just like 45, 50 minutes of like, this is cool.
1: Well, and two, like, I- I'm a firm believer that to really give something a shot, you have to l- listen to it or watch it more than once. Yes, agreed. You, ha- you, you know, I think the first few times you take something in, you're leaning into it. Like, you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to. Like that was the first time I've read those lyrics. Like so, you're just you're trying to figure out where they're going, where their headspace is. Once you swallow all that, then you listen again, or you watch a film again, and you can sort of lean back and just let it let it happen to you. And I think uh, musically, that's definitely worth a re listen. Yeah, for sure. And it sounds good. I mean, that's a and of course Eddie Kramer, Eddie Kramer, yeah, one of the greatest engineers in, in music history right well, that's cool man i liked
2: it i had a good time Good, i'm glad i had a i had a blast just sitting over here watching your, your initial reactions to things so
1: well let's say goodbye to the good people and get out of here it's been a long episode but i've had it a has. good time it's been a, a great uh
2: reuniting uh, of the of the heart soul and mind
1: well let us know what you think about the explore the big four series you can always write us in your thoughts and comments at metal up your podcast show at gmail.com we read every one of them even if we don't read it on the show and right. who knows we might even read it on the goddamn show and it might think about this what you write into the show might become a tangent that lasts years. You never know. It might be some character might happen or some faux pas or some fucking mispronunciation of something might become a whole slew of uh, fodder for content for the podcast. Time will tell. Here's the homework, though, for you, Metal Up Your Podcast family listeners out there. Number Let's... one, check out the Patreon. We are giving away two free tickets to SNM2 on are. September 8th. And that is going to be a non-biased drawing of the names out of a hat,
2: and we'll be announcing it in the next few weeks. Yeah, we're in, about to
1: hit June, into June, yeah. yeah. Um. We have cover Our World black, and volume three coming up. If you become a patron at the five dollar level, you get all the EPs. You get Lunar Satan. Yeah. It's just the the uh, the coal in the old train, mm-hmm. as it were, for metal up your podcast is the patron. Uh, situation really over is. at Patreon yeah, absolutely. if you can't do that we totally get it I yeah. mean I can't support every podcast I love I support several but no, I can't do all the ones that I love uh, you can at least leave the iTunes review or tell a buddy about it or write about us on social media tag us we'll repost it and all that stuff um,
2: anything else we should say? Hmm jeez I don't know I don't think I mean you kind of covered it all I'm just stoked to be back in the same room and not you know doing this remotely I think we should listen to the persistence of time right now right this second not keep it recording not let's let
1: the good people go thanks everyone for joining us we love you out there in metal up your podcast land we'll see you next week with our good friend Mr. Paul Moak we're gonna be diving deep into unload you'll hear about it later and we'll have to see you then thanks and peace adios
0: (laughs) if you were our advisor what would you say then I would say delete that